0: Hey everyone. Welcome back to Remap Sports and Sports Adjacent Podcast that sets out to disprove the notion that people with lives dedicated to pixels jumping across the screen can't also be unhealthily interested in what nerds condescendingly refer to as sports ball every Super Bowl. Rob, I start off every episode with a new question, this time from a listener named Spencer. Hi, Remap crew. First time, long time. One asked the same question my girlfriend asks people she doesn't know since it always devolves into mass debate and discussion. She doesn't like sports at all and this question just makes everyone laugh about everyone's different choices. The question is, if you could get rid of five sports in the world, what sports would you get rid of? I usually go with some combination of golf, waste of land that could, go, that could do other things, any animal needed sport, and MMA/blood slash sports. So, Rob, what sport or sports would you get rid of? Five's a lot, but if you have one that comes to mind, I think that'll work. Five sports to destroy.
1: Uh, Just gotta get rid of these. Let's think here. Um, There's almost a chaotic element of like polo. (laughs) Why polo? That like it. It only it it only serves the rich person's sport. Mm -hmm. Like it is. Mm Like it's it, I don't know, like lacrosse on horseback is probably like <laughs> deeply wrong, but like it's not the most wrong. It's it's like kind of a cool concept, but like horses have better things to do and you would destroy a lot of it would it would irritate the right people.
0: Uh And so I'm I'm all for like, get rid of it. That is where. OK, we're on the same wavelength because my mind went there as well. And so I understand the examples given here by Spencer, animals, sports and, like, Like, yes, like I think the one that like, um, like spiritually, the one that I think you should get rid of, like ethically, morally, it's probably like horse racing and things like that. It's just like, that's the
1: problem. Like right after polo, I'm like,
0: I'm not sure I can really justify horse racing either. No, I can't like all, all of those. Should be, like, I feel like that's table stakes where my mind went was the chaotic element. And my thought was, if you just got rid of the NFL, if you got rid of football, if you pulled out this central plank of American culture and it was just gone, what would the country do? Now, and so I, I, it's it's unclear to me in this question, is this, it never exists at all. It doesn't develop as like a mainline Or do we sport. have a leftover situation where yes. it's just gone? Yes, like you just wake up one day and it turns out you know, we have a tyrannical government. Uh, the socialists have <laughs> Report to spring
1: training. The Royals
0: uh, need you. Like, like, what happens to like the athletes? What hap- Like, what do people do with their time? Like, I mean, I'm, you know, we are like, just like personally, like getting ready to shift into NFL mode. My neighbor finished painting his garage, and he's about to mount a second TV so that he can have sunday ticket going on the second tv and like this is that's the garage we're going to spend all our time in our kids are going to be outside running around i'm going to be drinking beer eating hot wings and doing that even after it gets cold because he has a heater in that garage as well so it works fine no matter what the temperature is in the midwest and so there's like actual like a culture habitual shift that i'm about to go through as a result of this season starting and so the idea that you just pull that out like it's fo- funny you say that because when the question was read
1: my first thought was I might actually just delete football <laughs> and I love football but I think the thing that would be healthy about it is like it all just goes away at once for everyone we all just got to move on from it it's no longer it's no longer the central like sports event of a lot of American life it's yes. just gone all that energy, all that interest, all like it all has to go elsewhere. And I think for the most part it would go like it would be probably a healthy, a, a healthy deletion. Yes.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. That's probably true.
1: <laughs> no, I, I like like that was also my first thought even before I remembered horses. I was like, <laughs> uh, boy, you know, I'm not sure football is that big. Uh, like I think, you know, we could all learn to live without it. Uh. I'm into the idea. Here's the weird thing. I actually think as a sport, golf is incredible. Yes. The culture of like golf and golf courses and golf clubs, if that is collateral, like if the sport is collateral damage to destroying the culture around golf, I would take it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the the American golf club is a pretty lousy institution uh and a lot of golf courses just around the world they are you know amazing wastes of resources right, there there land. is one
0: uh uh near a lake uh uh not far um where my family and I spend some time and there is a golf course up there now you, people are obviously familiar with private golf courses right where you have to be a member in order to get access sometimes yeah. there are private courses that you can pay to play on or maybe you know somebody you can get on this is a private course of which there are 250 members It's almost exclusively generational and it costs some like ungodly, like $100,000, like some ungodly amount of money to stay a part of, which is why there's only 250 members like that should be torched and destroyed. Like, yep. Now, granted. Where that is located next to a lake would just be replaced by, like, giant mansions. So it's not—I'm not sure the—but, like, that speaks to, I think, that level of elitism and land waste that you're talking about.
1: Even the even the giant like Lake store Mansion is comparably democratic <laughs> next to the generational <laughs> yeah. like limited membership <laughs> golf club. You can you might eventually be able to buy the mansion. You know That's what I mean? True. Like, your That's money's true. green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but a lot of these institutions are very like no. Like even if you show up, it's like no. I don't know. We don't want to let you in. Uh no, they're 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 very like it's it's sort of an awful thing. But I I don't know if necessarily I want to say like. I would totally hold that against the sport like that is like I think in a lot of ways it's less that just is an expression of like a lot of Western culture, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily inherent uh, to golf. It's just sort of become a feature of it. But yeah, and I thought I might I might delete uh, like polo horse racing easy (laughs) kills. I'm going to leave out dog racing because that seems like it's pretty much done. But it like, you know, obviously you wouldn't it shouldn't be done. Yeah, shouldn't exist. um but like like sports that like you know you really want to go after um other things other things we get rid of a little bit uh
0: i guess there is there is a part
1: of me that's like i guess to that same tune of uh like who really gets a sh- who really gets to do this stuff a lot of like your more esoteric winter sports like like you know ski jumping right <laughs> who's ski jumping i want i want to meet like who out in the world is just like you know what i'm gonna to learn to do ski jump and i'm gonna have the opportunity to do that what a great sport i'm gonna i'm gonna get super into that i feel i feel like no like you can go you can go play on the hills your little skis there's cross country skis there's mm-hmm. there's downhill routes but no i don't think we need to maintain the giant ski jump <laughs> or, the, or the big, or sorry, Sean White, I'm not sure we need the
0: giant snow half-pipe either. I feel like this happens like every time the Olympics come around is you just have it on and then you realize like, really? This is what people do with their entire lives? This? And then we're celebrating? What? Like, this is what we're made. <laughs> like, I think you, you will always encounter some variation of a sport in which it's like, someone's an expert at that? That's, well, and, that's and what we're particularly doing here? these ones where it's like, the only way you get access you,
1: the only way you'd be an expert at it is if you just have the resources to be exposed to it early and get like mm-hmm. tons and tons of training at it, and most people will not even be aware this is a thing until late in their lives It just won't be it, it it becomes a sport that exists to like uh serve, serve a class of folks so'm I'm, I'm like i i might I might target some of those uh for for sure um but yeah I, I think it would be a lot of sports I think it's a similar thing. I don't know that I would go after boxing,
0: but I would probably go after MMA Mm, because of the culture around it, not necessarily because of the actual a little bit of both, though. Okay.
1: like I think I think there is a bit of like they're all bad for you. They're all all pretty (laughs) brutal on the athlete and such. But like. MM, MMA just has like high risk of grievous energy uh, injury. And they just have not built a pipeline where uh, most people coming up through the ranks are like uh, fighting for decent purses or <laughs> making any kind of decent money.
0: So I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like At you least with really MMA, re- you're hitting the whole body, like boxing, given everything we now know about the brain and trauma associated with the, like the head, the idea that there continues to be a sport that is explicitly mm-hmm. about smashing your hand as hard as possible into someone's brain cage seems bad.
1: I don't know well, why they should. Keep their, they, they should they, they, you don't want to get hit in the head, obviously, <laughs> like make them take the body. No, I, I don't know. I think that maybe it's just a bit of tradition, right? Where I'm like, well, boxing, I don't know. Boxing has been around for ages. Like, fuck it. Like, people you want to do boxing, go do boxing, go with God. And you know what is interesting, though? You're familiar, Are you familiar with the argument that boxing gloves made be- boxing uh, massively more dangerous. I can buy it. What is the operating theory? Uh, two things. Uh, one is that before the bo- like, so in, if you go back to like the days of uh, like bare knuckle boxing, John L. Sullivan type stuff. Wait, how um, far?
0: When is the introduction of the the boxing glove? Like, is this like a hundred years? There old is overlap. Is, okay, uh,
1: so this starts happening around 1900. Right. Where before that, you've got like like basically dudes stripped to the waist boxing bare knuckle uh the rules are completely different like you hear about like 100 round bouts oh my god but the rounds weren't like boxing rounds as we know them like they're really short like staccato like almost mm-hmm. like go out go out for a pass type thing um but the the argument is that you know you hit someone in the face with a with a with a fist uh two things are two things are going to happen like one per- that one person's going to get hit in the head uh, but then the other thing that's very likely to happen is someone's hand is getting broken. And so like bare knuckle boxing, you are not throwing with full power. You can't because like the odds of you doing more harm to yourself and you to keep boxing is greater actually than landing sort of a decisive knockout blow, right? Uh, knockouts were not actually that common. I gather in bare knuckle contests uh, for this, for this very reason. Once you introduce the glove, You have the entire craft of boxing changes so that like the punch goes from being uh, something like you and I might be more familiar with uh, as a punch to being a really carefully like machine precise unloading of your full body weight and power into a single blow because your hand is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But you are still driving all that power uh, through there. And then the other thing is that, uh, you know, you do have the illusion of that it is somehow safer, that you're using padded gloves and therefore also the person getting hit is not being hit as hard. And that's just like patently not true. (laughs) Uh, So like it's a bit like the argument that like moving away from the leather helmets made football more dangerous Mm. uh, because it it, but but with a little more behind it, because just the way people boxed changed massively uh, after they introduced gloves And it became a much more, uh, like,
0: violent sport, particularly in terms of like blows to the head. Makes sense. Uh, So today, uh, broadly, we're going to be doing a preview of the NFL season. Normally, we probably would have done this the week of the season starting, but Rob is going to be going on. Have you publicly said you're doing? Am I allowed to say what you're doing? Nope. Okay. Um, Rob's going to be gone uh, for a little while, um, and. Uh, doing a thing, and so we're recording this uh, the week that would normally be season four of the preseason that got eliminated uh, a couple years back under a new uh, collective bargaining agreement, and now it's just week zero uh, before the NFL season kicks off. Uh, I believe next third, like next Thursday, with uh, the um, the Lions and the Chiefs. I believe is the uh, the first game of the season, which is a really exciting one, and so we're gonna kind of go. Division by division as a way of talking through uh, the, the the NFL, a very unique format, not done on any other podcast talking about sports. But before we get there, um, Rob, you uh, had mentioned you'd been as we were gearing up for the corporate commercial filled NFL season that you had some thoughts given some other sports watching you've been doing recently. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not an original
1: thought, certainly, but. So this this past uh, you know th- this summer basically I, things I've been watching a lot of I watched a ton of the Tour, Tour de France uh, I uh, Premier League started a couple weeks ago started watching a little more a little more soccer uh, and obviously then there's been a ton of auto racing this this summer it's it's racing season and so it's been about two and a half three months of effectively watching sports with very little in the way of commercials. Mm. And it's been great and then I watched uh I watched the I don't usually watch college ball but I was just you know feeling that hunger I saw that uh, I had it in 4k on on YouTube I oh, right because college football starts a week earlier than the, the NFL season so I watched Notre Dame at uh, Notre Dame play Navy in Ireland um and immediately I was struck by this is awful like this is <laughs> awful the, the like you can't get into this thing because every 30 seconds it feels like you are just being pulled away to a commercial and we had, and like commercials are the most annoying stuff. Like it is like all commercials are designed to be kind of grating, but also sticky for your attention. Mm-hmm. So like, it's meant to be just annoying that you can't tune it out. And so you end up kind of like internalizing the, the logic of the commercial or what, whatever.
0: What What is better or worse than, like, so I, um, uh, I watch a lot of the Chicago Cubs. Um, am I necessarily w- watching it through the means that, that I'm being asked to? Maybe not. But when you watch like some of these streaming services that, that that like surface the games where they don't have the rights to the commercials, but they still have to honor the commercial break, and so you just get like a thank you for watching, like game will continue soon and it's just like a logo like looping for the next like three minutes it's it's like wild to see like oh right like this is how the ad like because ads have become so hyper targeted that they just won't even surface them because they don't give a shit about showing you like the local auto ad that you might otherwise get if they just had to generically assume we don't know who's watching so we'll just spray it everywhere
1: yeah, and like so watching this stuff on Peacock, uh, when you're watching the replays of events, they edit the commercials out. Uh, mm. So like you'll just you won't even see the commercials, uh, which sometimes means you miss stuff uh, when you're watching like IndyCar because maybe something happened during the commercial break. But like, uh, you know, if you're watching the tour, generally not a lot happens necessarily minute to minute. So you're not going to miss stuff in the commercial break. And besides on Peacock, they kind of aired it uh, commercial free. They they all ran it through big uh, sponsor. But the point is, so I've, so like it's been three months since I watched like an American sporting event <laughs> that is designed for serving up commercials. Uh-huh. And. I genuinely, I think I've talked about this before, I think one of the things that has caused some traditional American sports to lose ground is that they went all in on cable TV mm-hmm. and as you know a younger generation was living more precariously and had to like think about cutting costs just generally and be a lot more conservative with it i think you know they they tied themselves to a service that kept going up and up and up in price and priced itself out of a lot of people's like entertainment packages but then i think the other part is Yes, I know like we talked about this with Rowan. We, yes, like youth participation rates in soccer are are go, have gone gone up relative to like football. Uh if you're a parent, it's way easier to say I am have my kid go play soccer than it is to be like do you really want to go play football? Okay, I guess, but first injury we're pulling you out. Yep. It's it's a tough sell. Um but I also think that if you view sports as like It's a leisure activity. People want to have a nice time. They want to put something on that's pleasant and like relaxing and just enjoyable. Watching a soccer match is that like you turn on, you turn the premier league. doesn't matter if you're particularly invested in the game. It is just 45 minutes and change of like crowd noise and on field action. And they sneak the ads in where they can, right? Like they got the, the, the banner ads on the display. They got little like things on the edges of the pitch, but it's still like you do not have the – there is no Premier League equivalent to Whopper, Whopper, God is dead. We all love our goddamn Whopper. Like we don't have that in Premier League. Uh, and, I, and I think this is part of like – there's been this question of like, man, Americans have just like gone crazy for F1. It must be that Netflix documentary. I think that's part of it. But the other thing that happened is around that time ESPN got the rights. And because they knew that F1 fans frequently kind of had an expectation that maybe we don't do commercials. Uh Maybe people were watching Uh through illicit means Uh what what people were getting in the UK. What ESPN did was they sold sponsorships to run the races ad free. Uh, This is how every F1 fan in America has a bizarre brand loyalty to Mother's Polish uh, because because they they sponsor the races. So there would be no ads. And immediately, you know, if you're watching, I'm curious about F1, you turn it on, it's like two hours, wall to wall, you're just watching the race. Mm-hmm. Complete, like, mental break from advertising and whatever else you're doing. Like, your, your attention can focus in on it. You can sort of, like, get into it. And that also means you have time to appreciate, like, what's going on here? I, I'm going to come to understand this game. Uh, watching football is so miserable. Like it like the only way you can hold on to like the you can follow a game is if you internalize what football is and how it works. Like you're not going to get it watching the broadcast. Uh because it is so chopped up. You don't see the huddles anymore. You barely, you know, they barely take time to really like explain the concepts of the plays. You're supposed to know all this, but also the type of time you would be able to set aside for like providing context and explaining what's going on. Is time to go into ads so you don't get that stuff. That's
0: what Nickelodeon's for, Rob. That's why – I mean, for, granted, I actually wish that – if like if that's the sh- – the garbage is just going to be like fed through the hose for the mainstream viewer Um, because that's how they're – I wish there were more alternative broadcasts that you could lean into stuff like that. Like I frankly think the existence of like the Nickelodeon one is like, histi- like hilarious and funny. Um, I think I don't know if they're doing a one. They usually do it during the playoffs, like the wild card game. There's the Nickelodeon game, um, or, or like you know when you have the the Manning brothers. Like I'm I'm so excited for that to be. It's like my, my one of my favorite ways to watch football is to just have the Manning brothers just fucking uh, goofing around. And I, but I'm with you. Like yeah, there it, there is so much in American football that is. We just expect you to know what this already is because it's a cultural institution. Good luck if you don't.
1: Well, and then and it's going to be chopped up at every moment. Like every time yes. you begin to get into the flow of the game, you're going to be thrown to an ad break of varying lengths, right? So it's going to be like, I feel like we've been watching ads for like an hour. Oh no, it's the two minute warning.
0: Uh, so you get like an hour of ads. Okay, there, uh, okay, okay, that's. Cool. I was wa- I was watching. Uh, I didn't the the last uh, Bears preseason game overlapped with prepping for my my daughter's birthday party, and so, like, other than like, come on, don't be a complete sicko, like. If you're an NFL analyst, watch the preseason games if you're everybody else, like (laughs) wait a couple more weeks. But I had it out of the background. It was like watching just to see what Justin Fields did for the couple of series that they were going to let him play. And there was a moment where uh, they'd gotten down like uh, uh, Justin had gotten down to the like 10 yard line and they the first quarter clock expired. And in football, American football, at at every quarter, they switch the direction of the yep. field that you're playing on. And I've never seen them do that because that all happens during a commercial break. And because of the uh unique way that I was watching it, it was just instead of cutting to just a logo, it cut to a stadium camera. Yep. And you just got to see this wide shot, like looking down in the field. It's not a way you'd want to watch the game, but you could see the entire field and just watching like. The players move like it was just kind of neat. And it's like, oh, that's like this logistical thing that they hide away so they can cram six more commercials in. I I got to see like this little window into just, I don't know, kind of the downtime of of a game that exists all the time. Like those slow moments in the game are felt by the players. And if you're there in the stadium watching the game, but to the viewer, you are just getting like blasted with Dorito sauce, you know, (laughs) flakes um, uh, in between. Yeah, I mean, it's little things like that, that you that, that don't get fully,
1: fully unpacked. Um, I think a lot of the drama leeches out of a drive when it's like, well, we're gonna cut to commercial now because mm-hmm. uh, praise be a player is down on the field. <laughs> and out of respect, we're going to go to commercial. Uh, while the body is cleared away uh, or, you know, well, all right. Well, the player, the coach called the timeout. So we're going to this. Obviously, this is just a timeout to give his guys like 30 seconds, to get a play call in. Fuck it. Let's take a minute and go to commercial. Well, again.
0: or they do those ones in the corner, right? Where they go to the box and like you're getting the commercial in the box because they don't know oh, ones they start playing in the huddle. Yes. So Like while the
1: play clock is play clock is going now. Yes. You have the commercial going because now we are jamming the commercial break in because know people are bypassing the commercial breaks yes via dvr controls so now they're loading the commercials into the uh into the main part of the game it's real bad like it's one of those things where it is it's it reminds me a little bit of the way um like newspaper websites started to feel like the scummiest places on earth because like the just the advertisement was so intrusive and it was so low quality and that is increasingly how football broadcasts are starting to feel uh dis- despite like the notion of it as a premium product. And I do think like if you are not already a sicko who's like, I love football, give <laughs> me more. Oh, I don't care how many times I hear the Burger King song, just nom no, i more football. <laughs> if you are not b- bought into that, mm-hmm. and it's just like, do you want to watch sports? Here's three things that are on Premier League, American football, uh, or like a race. I think American football is probably the worst viewing option. Of and yet all of they it's have the worst experience. They
0: have made uh, advertisements part of the cell, Rob. I mean, like you cannot separate football and how it's marketed from the Super Bowl in which a reason to watch the Super Bowl is for the commercials. And so I do think it's a use, a sport that is unique in that it's cultural weight is actually tied up in advertising as a, as as its its own product not just to sell you something but to entertain you alongside the like the sport itself and so i think that's fairly unique not that there aren't big commercials tied to nba playoffs but the the super bowl is a unique one-of-a-kind unicorn when it comes to like you're sitting down to like we do like the super bowl thing we do is like we do a you know a a commercial bingo game right where it's like oh there's a state farm you get to you know put it's just a thing to do with a group of adults but like that's how intertwined commercials commercialization is as yeah. an act of play alongside the sport is like people doing bingo like casino games while, while they're eating their nachos and i do it
1: but but i do think like just seeing it all side by side i do think like part of the reason like if you're wondering like why are audiences sort of fleeing these fleeing some of these traditional like american sports i don't think it's because these games are worse like i know there are people who are like very snobbish about like americans are dummies they just need their violent stupid blood sport to to be happy football is an enormously challenging game to really understand uh and the other thing is when it, when, when football is good it is the best yes. in the world yes. like you know like it sets up moments of drama like in a, a you know a drive with things at stake like it 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 generates narrative moments and unfold like the the structure of the game really serves it well but outside of those moments uh there are a lot of places where it just pr- like presents a lot of hurdles to get into it and it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people are starting to gravitate toward other sports where it's like Where you don't have the action coming to a dead halt every, like, five minutes to, like, just bombard you with the most annoying tweet crap possible. Because that's the other thing is, like, if football advertising has gotten so expensive, it's all the same ads now. Yeah. It's, like, like six companies advertising on football broadcasts, right? It's, like, two big insurance companies, like, two big beer companies, two fast food uh, companies, and then, like, maybe a car. That's it. That's yep. that's 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 who you that's who you see. So like you know, you watch like an hour of a football broadcast, you're gonna see some like uh, wanna be heartrending Amica insurance ad where someone's just like where they just like run the camera over some sad sack having the worst day possible. Like oh no, Abuela's house flooded, <laughs> and then we've got the love, and you just hear over <laughs> the phone. But you know the important thing is you're safe, and I'm like. Yes, that's exactly how calling your insurance agent works. I mean the reason they're telling you this is because they're going to decline your coverage <laughs> in the next draft. Well, really, I'm just so I'm so glad you and your daughter are alive
0: following that. Are bender. you sure you want to make this claim because it's going to impact future claims? You let this one go. Is this a big enough one that you want to make the claim on? Are you a bad enough dude to want to yep. make the claim on this insurance yep. knowing what it might do down the line? Fuck. Come on, Tiger. Let it ride. Uh <sighs> well, let's get into the the NFL uh itself. Um we're going to kind of just run down um the different di- divisions and I think that'll bring up even some of the topics I had put here at the top Rob. I think those will kind of come up as we as we go yeah. through through all this. But the uh probably one of the most interesting divisions uh in uh, the entire league for a lot of reasons, the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots. The, like you could do frankly long discussions about every one of these teams obviously we have a lot of personal connection to the new york jets i have not watched and i don't we're gonna move to buffalo soon <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> i've not watched any of hard knocks have you watched any of it uh i unsubscribed from hbo max a while ago
1: okay. uh, and did not feel moved to resubscribe oh well, that's right wait <laughs> I, I I did not I did not I did not renew my uh, my uh, subscription when it became Max. Mm. No matter how many times Aquaman could be like, "You're not one person. Sometimes you're a piece <laughs> of shit. Sometimes you like good TV, and sometimes you like being a little piggy, don't you? Mm. <laughs> Why? <What? laughs> Come on, piggy, Suey Max is here with reality TV.
0: You little dis- like, you no, disgusting, disgusting you little I'm Discovery good. slut! Like, just yep. get over here." Oh my god, that's that's good. So no, um, I didn't watch hard knocks. No, I haven't either. And but obviously, yeah, like I am as a Chicago Bears fan intrigued to see what the deal is with the the Jets. Um I I you know, I think they, they have a pretty stacked team on both sides of the ball. I think however compromised Aaron Rodgers is at uh I think he turns forty this year, uh, I believe. Um even if he's a average NFL quarterback uh the the jets are a team with the roster construction they had last year that they would have been a real threat in the playoffs if they just had someone who could toss the ball uh with any sort of uh consistency the thing that i've been you know reading reports out of training camp things like that is uh they don't have an offensive line and yeah rogers you know can you know he, he used to, his legs were you know how quarterbacks used their legs in the era that Rodgers came into the league alongside Tom Brady and and folks like that is much different than the Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, where you are these dual threat quarterbacks. But Rodgers could he could he could skedaddle when he needed to. That doesn't happen as much anymore. And so he's going to be that that uh, Tom Brady, that uh, Peyton Manning-esque uh, kind of player who is going to rely on decades of experience and understanding what the defense is throwing at him to make it work. But if he's getting the shit kicked out of him, every other play that ultimately might be the thing that kind of defines their season. If they can't, if they can't figure it out.
1: Yeah. I have no idea what to expect from, because I am with you. It's like he is set up to have that sort of Peyton Manning valedictory. You Mm -hmm. just need, we just need a steady hand, no big mistakes, some upside. That's all we need. And we'll be able to ride that into uh you know, at least maybe a conference title, something like that. And so he he is kind of set up for that, but the Aaron Rodgers of it all is the big question because the thing is, like Manning could have a big chip on his shoulder, and I still think he seemed like a vastly more even keeled presence on a team than Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. now that is partly because just the way Aaron Rodgers every season sort of had this sense of like, is he gonna stick around? Is he has he finally had it with the with the Green Bay Packers? But I think the other part of it is he is very quick to feel like at once it's all on his shoulders. Like, well, I guess I got to be the one to pull this all together. But then at the same time, that sort of will lend itself to him not being coachable and not really like responding to what the coach or the coordinator like wants the identity of the uh, identity of the offense to be. And then in recent years, you know, he is very savvy. He is very clever. He's also very risk averse and he Mm -hmm. doesn't have the sort of arm that can hit the tight windows uh, that you sometimes they're all you get when you're behind a bad line or, or things are not going well. And in those situations, he will just start throwing the ball away. You know, he will, he will, you know, put it in, it'll look like he'll be put, it'll be put in play and it won't generate an interception, but also won't be anywhere near a reception. (laughs) And it'll be like, oh, there's Aaron Rodgers being smart with the football. You know, if it's not there, you just don't give the defender a shot, but it's another three and out. And that defense now is back on the field. And so I just have no idea uh, what to expect from that team. But to be honest, I don't know what to expect from this division. Yeah, I, I think it goes to the top. Like when I look at the Bills like still massively talented but like josh allen is not as young uh at this at this point and also now he's a very expensive quarterback yes that's that's the other part is all these really exciting dynamic quarterbacks once they've sort of got on that that sort of veteran contract um suddenly the quality of everything around them goes
0: down and josh the draft picks matter a lot more you can't You can't you, you increasingly cannot spend in free agency to patch holes or you're not grabbing the top end talent and overpaying for them in the way that like the bears are right now, like where they can just pay whatever they need as they're trying to figure out the ship there. You need your picks to pay off or else your team is going to sink or swim uh, no matter how good a Josh Allen is. And I think he's, you know, obviously extraordinarily talented, even if he was, he was physically compromised. Last season, plus the Demar Hamlin stuff, right? Like it just seemed like that team was just done at the end of the season. Like between Allen's injury in his arm and the emotional, yeah. like just gut punch that that team dealt with, it just seemed like they didn't. They had run out of gas by yes. by the time they got there. There was just
1: they were done. That there last were, they, game was really dispiriting because it yeah. did feel like they just got flattened, uh, and it was that they just. You know, it should have been it should have been conditions that favored them. Should have been a lot of things like pointing to a Buffalo win, and they just they they just kind of folded up. And yeah, and the the quality of the weapons are declining, and that was one of the big things that caused Josh Allen's bump uh, in performance was that they sort of armed him with uh, you know a, a great receiver, and you know th- that those connections are being broken. Uh and so I'm I'm really not sure what to expect from that team. Now, did did their ones shred the Bears ones in the <laughs> final preseason game? Yes, they did. That defense still looks pretty good. Yeah. But I just don't know what to expect uh from from that team. And, you know, the
0: Patriots feel like God knows what's gonna come out of come tumbling well, out the, of that. Incre- box. Well, increasingly the Patriots feel like I believe uh <clears throat> Bill Belichick is it's like 20 to 30 game wins away from the all time winningest coach, like in terms of raw pure wins. And that doesn't seem like a lot in a 17 game season, but when your team has now become decidedly mediocre (laughs) post uh, Tom Brady leaving and as they've like absolutely fumbled, like, like, I mean Belichick for as obviously he's probably going to go down as the greatest coach of all time like no question obviously an incredible mind but also like his son is on the staff and has like a major like he hired Joe Judge and Matt Patricia two defensive play callers to run the offense last year like it does seem like my man is at the edge of his mental rope um and you start to see whispers that they're going to get rid of him if the team like you know is something like a 7 or 8 win and that that is just in like more you know a couple of years ago impossible to imagine that he doesn't just go out in a blaze of glory and here he what might befall him is befalls everybody at some point is that you just don't realize you don't have it anymore and then it just looks well, sad not just that it's like this guy was always
1: so a lot of the players who played under him both revere him And regard him as just like one of the best coaches they've ever had. Someone who taught them an absolute ton. But also this is a guy who's always understood the business of football is being ruthless with, you know, we pay for performance here, not sentimentality. It was bizarre to see that turned on its head to have him put a lot of credibility on the line for Matt Patricia Mm -hmm. in a role that Patricia at his best was not suited for (laughs) coming off. A fizzle in Detroit that, frankly, like discredited Patricia as uh, coach material, you know, at the very least, maybe argued arguably like discredit him from being, uh, you know, any sort of high level coaching role coordinator. Like it was bad. Things went real bad in Detroit. Having having Belichick like stand by him and say, like, we're going to give him the offense to like give him like give him those reps so he gets another shot. It was absurd. And it took down it took down a season. the 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 quarterbacks didn't respond to him. Uh, it just it it didn't work at all. And it's just strange to me that like those rules, the understanding that you make hard headed football decisions based on you know how how are things likely to play out that that was suspended for Patricia. That mm-hmm. it was like no, this is my fail, son. And we're going to, you know, we're going to give him another shot because this isn't like a McDaniel situation, right? Like that's that, like say what you will about him. When he came back after a failed run in uh, Denver. Denver, he was young and before had, had, Jay, and Cutler, after, had Jay Cutler, right? Like in, not, retrospect, not- <laughs> in retrospect, that all looks a lot more defensible in terms of like how that all unfolded. But then, in the subsequent years, proved himself to be a pretty good offensive coordinator. Yeah, uh, that had like had buy-in from the team, and so you understood why they they gave him another shot. But yeah, like basically burning a (laughs) burning a pretty critical season uh, for for like Mac Jones's
0: development as a quarterback. And like, yeah, okay, he's probably not the guy but he's average or like slightly yeah. above average. He's not, he, you know, the, his whole bit was, and this is why he had a good rookie year with McDaniels. Like he is extremely accurate in short passing situations. And so he doesn't have the biggest arm talent. He's not going to run for 30 yards, but if you tell him where to point the ball and give him a pass, they won a lot of balls with that exact skill set, 100% yep. like he, that. He was, he was given comparisons to like, again, like not that he was going to be Tom Brady, but that, intellectually he was like thought of the game similarly, uh, in terms of operating at the line of scrimmage and just like getting the ball out really quickly. And then that all just like fell apart. Um, when you gave to like, it was like giving you and I like, let's go. It's like I played Madden once go run an NFL offense. Like, okay, well like, uh, we, we, uh, run the ball to set up the pass. Right. That's what I, that's what what I read. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> there, there are a lot of dudes who still want football to be that.
0: That's true. Um, yeah, and the, and then yeah, I think the other big question is obviously like there are so many outcomes with the Miami Dolphins in terms like I think it all rests on what happens with Tua, uh, what what happens with their health, uh, what happens like, does the off season martial arts training that is supposed to help them fall to the ground in a way that prevents the kinds of concussions that he experienced multiple times like he is on a trajectory towards currently he's on a trajectory towards retirement faster than he is on a uh trajectory towards an extension and like he when when he was healthy and standing up i mean that was an extremely efficient offense they were so much fun to watch they literally just have two players that are track and field stars sprinting down across the (laughs) across the grass and he was able to deliver the ball to them and it makes that team feel a bit like a house of cards where if one of those receivers goes down kind of breaks up what you're doing here which is you have like two guys that are kind of indefendable and they're both gonna go and then you have a quarterback that can deliver the ball to them like if any of those fall apart like what What is this team? Obviously, uh, Mike McDaniel, their coach, like who who was his first year last year, seems like a good coach. He also is like very funny to watch. I enjoy every time that he is, you know, like that, that really fun bears dolphins game. One of Justin Fields best, best games all season. The the only game where Chase Claypool did anything for that second uh, uh, round pick acquisition, uh, you know, like on the sidelines, he's telling Justin Fields, "Like, can you stop? Can you stop it? Can you stop it? Like, just yeah." They're a likable team, and they're probably my betting favorite coming out of there. I just think they also have the most to lose from like any one injury undermining a lot of what they want to to do. That said, they seem like they have a really excellent coach. Like, I don't know if we have a good coach, Rob. I have no idea if Ibraflus is a good coach. I don't. My instinct is. I really don't like when we hire defensive coaches. That stuff is, is sometimes works, often doesn't in this league. And so if I'm a Dolphins fan, like, obviously they're in their Super Bowl window. They're throwing everything at the team to get them across the finish line. But as an outside observer is a little more neutral on whether they're they make it or they don't. It seems like you found a really smart guy who, like, whatever yeah. the next phase of this is, is going to get you there faster than you would otherwise. And so I feel really good about the long-term future of the team, other than them having like a dog shit owner that is costing them draft picks all the time by doing weird stuff. He is right up there with uh, Jim Ursay and the Colts of just ugh. like you don't want your co- your owner to be in the headline because it's for something really grimy. But I do. I think the end, the end of the day, the Dolphins are like, what happens with Tua? And that is the make or break of how far they go or don't go. Yeah. AFC North: We have the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cincinnati Chili Bengals. Um, Rob, what 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 calls to you in the out here in the north? Oh man, is it our adopted team, the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals? They have been my adopted team for the last couple. Of, like they have been, they would have hammered home in fantasy two years in a row. It's won me my championship last year. Um, I I almost won a bunch of money. Betting them in the Super Bowl until one that one last drive didn't didn't work out. So they are like we've talked about. How do you adopt teams? Like what um like what do you do if you like either e- like feel like morally and ethically you can't like if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, right? Like you're looking for somewhere else to root for. Maybe you're not rooting for the Bengals because it's in your in your division. But for me, they're my backup team. Like I, I I've adopted them as my my other team that I I just find so exciting. And they're all just so likable. Jamar Chase is likable. Like. Like, they're just – it's a fun team, and they're fun to watch. And so um, I'm hoping that – um was it? He had a hamstring in, in, uh, injury at the beginning of uh, right. preseason. That I'm hoping yeah. it's not one of those – it's funny because, like, <laughs> I saw Jamar Chase say, like, he should just, like, wait it out to, like, week five. Just, like, really – because the thing with hamstring injuries is that if you re-trigger them, you're just starting from scratch on the recovery timetable. It's not like one step back; it's all the steps back. So hamstrings can be really dicey uh, in terms of of how you handle the recovery process.
1: Yeah, and, and well, and they and like they like their backup, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, preseason is tough to tough to go by, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's a, it's a good team. Uh, it's it's a great situation where like. Joe Burrow has that like Stone Cold's uh final two minutes type thing. He's he's that guy. But the 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 great thing about his situation is he does not need to be that guy consistently for that team to win. And that is not the case for a lot of players who star quarterbacks who like the the whole team ride you know rides or dies on their shoulders. Uh but yeah, I, I feel like they they still kind of feel like one of the teams to beat here. Like I have more confidence in in the Bengals than I do in the Bills, for instance. Like I, that's not a that's not a bold prediction. They they flattened the Bills like this. They have they've emerged very very rapidly, despite some of the best football games I've seen in years being the regular season matchups between the Bills and the Chiefs. The Bengals do appear to reliably be like they are the rival for uh, the chiefs and the oh,
0: it's my, it's my like, new favorite accidental rivalry. Like it was, I, yeah. I didn't watch quarterbacks like the NFL, the NFL uh, docuseries that followed Mahomes and um, uh, Marcus Mariota and Kirk cousins. And maybe it was just those three. Maybe there was a fourth, but either way there was some behind the scenes stuff with uh, Mahomes and they, it was like, they had won their game. They're waiting to for, for, like to see what the outcomes are. And someone asked him like, who do you want to play? He was like the the Bengals. Like it's an, it's like, even though the Bengals are reliably winning those games, like they are, I think ahead on the, the matchups uh, yeah. ahead, against the chiefs, but like that is my new favorite sort of like Brady Manning. Like, I sort of like, Hey, I just want these teams to play as often as they can. Cause literally every time they do, it's like amazing top notch football. Even if somebody is injured, like these teams, like, are, are, are ready to play for like it feels like a playoff game in the regular season whenever the two of them kind of kind of cross paths
1: also it's just, it's just a random thing but there's an aesthetic quality to like where football games are played as well mm-hmm. i don't know something about the Bengals and the chiefs they still feel like these are the sort of places where football is meant to be played yeah you know what i mean it's like it's outdoors it's loud uh it's it, like there are so many now showpiece stadiums where it feels like the it feels like they've constructed like a little race horse arena for the teams right like like as impressive as like the la as uh what is it C- sofi sofi that's right as impressive as it is there's also something kind of antiseptic about it mm-hmm. uh, a little bit it's it's like just a little it's a little too much uh the cowboy stadium has always felt that way and so there, there is something anytime you've got a place that basically still feels like a bowl. Uh, I
0: am I am like a little more into it. Is this does this place look like somewhere that I could play football and also dump a lot of uh, Cincinnati chili into? Um, then <laughs> Probably that's... all over my chest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, You know. also, you know, intriguing is I. Obviously I'm morbidly curious to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. Um he looked like dog shit uh when when he I think he was uh what he was he was banned for the first eight games, so he kind of played the second yeah. half of the season and um looked I mean just looked t- terrible. Now granted he hadn't played in like two plus years. Yes. Anybody is going to be uh rusty, but um I think this is starting to stretch. The obviously there's going to be rust to to knock off if you haven't played and you know competitively in a couple of years, but also does he still have it? What is that t- if that t- if they underperform if if he is just bad or below average with a Super Bowl roster and they guaranteed what like 150 million dollars or something like that to him um and are are essentially locked to him for the next couple of years and then he becomes an untradeable asset uh because he's bad. I mean. Oof, i have a lot of family members that are brown's fans and I, I feel for them they are in a, a weird box uh emotionally uh trying to understand what it even means to have a relationship with that team uh at the moment obviously it's kind of made easier for them because they suck shit <laughs> last year and if they suck shit again it's like easier to swallow not watching them or just sort of putting them to the side but a stra- a strange team um for sure that has gone through a lot of uh ups and downs I haven't watched it but I, I've heard that the Johnny menzel documentary on netflix was actually uh pretty decent it's more about his rise and it is his fall but i mean you can't talk about this era of the browns without like it kind of starting with johnny johnny football and then arriving at deshaun watson which is maybe not where you want to be in terms of how you're handling your franchise quarterbacks yeah
1: and god yeah you're right and um oh gosh the guy between Manziel
0: and uh, Watson. Um, oh, he's on the Bucks the, the, now. Um, yeah, it, he was on the Rams last it's year. Embarrassing. Uh, I know he was such a big deal. Uh, and he's in, and he actually has, he had really good um uh uh commercials. The best commercials.
1: The best commercials of any Baker, player Mayfield, in the NFL. Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's been a it's been a bad run there. Um, for for how they've you know developed quarterbacks. Um, yeah, I I think. There's there's a few things that are going to be weird about this. Um, It is possible that, I think we'd all breathe a sigh of relief if Deshaun Watson was just never relevant. Yep. As a quarterback again, and like this weird experiment just kind of ended, fizzled, and you know there never really has to be that examination of what do you do with a guy like that. I still think there's a pretty decent chance that with a full season of football, under his belt like as he goes along he might turn out to be still a really great quarterback yeah and that's going to be a weird thing to navigate because at a certain point you can only repeat so many times uh why (laughs) the reason why he like spent two years away from the game uh which was that he was uh like sexually assaulting a number of women uh that under and uh, had gotten into contact with them under the false pretenses of like seeking a massage mm-hmm. and just a deeply weird story um about like you know what he was doing and and just the 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 weird like compulsive you know angle behind it but like it was a ton of it was a ton of people uh that that he assaulted a ton of allegations and his old team was kind of swept up in it. They kind Mm -hmm. of tried to provide legal cover. It was, it was a thing there. A lot of people should have known better. uh, We're kind of aware of what he was doing. And a lot of that came out. It's been extensively covered. This is not like a hidden. The NFL doesn't want you to know. I'm sure they'd prefer that you didn't, (laughs) but uh, it's been extensively covered. And, you know, he's, his his legal bills are through the roof. There's been a lot of settlements around Mm -hmm. this. Uh, but he's not you know he's not going to do jail time no. uh you know this is this is about as far as the process has gotten uh he's been forced to make a lot of uh you know some monetary restitution but and he was sort of forced to step away from the game uh for a year but now he's back and he does have a chance to uh you know play the game again and he might turn out to be really good at it
0: cuz he was really and, good at it he they're like I um like he was electric like it's easy to forget now because it's there is so much distance between that. But he was one of those like, oh, they're down three touchdowns. Doesn't matter. Like they'll, they'll find a way think, to make it work
1: for me. The simplest thing like just this is where I tend to like come down with stuff like this because I need to remind myself this a lot. Goodness and talent and skill. Not necessarily go together at all. They don't have Mm -hmm. to live side by side. Frequently, Frequently one doesn't apply the other. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, and this, like, the problem is the way we cover sports, we want to say because a certain person exhibits exemplary athletic qualities, those imply the existence of exemplary moral qualities. They don't. They don't apply, they don't imply those at all. Sometimes you discover that, yeah, they do imply those. The person got really good because, You know, they're very conscientious, hardworking, dedicated to teammates. Think, you know, sometimes you find that person, and sometimes people are just weirdly great at a game. And behind, you know, and beyond that, they might be weird, they might be monstrous, they might be creepy, whatever. And I think you can just sort of acknowledge that someone's might still be extraordinary at a game, and that is as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. And you don't need you don't need to get caught up being like, oh man, he's just such a you know what a <laughs> he's you know uh, you know he's 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 such a he's such a brilliant competitor, uh, such heart, such dedication. <laughs> he's he's good. He's a good ball player at best. Uh huh. Um, and we'll see how that goes. It is possible that he won't be any of that anymore. That like you know to a degree, the one of the real prices he's paid for this is that. His skills atrophied, his window closed, mm-hmm. and you know, it turns out his last seasons of football were playing for an irrelevant franchise. Uh, right before the bottom fell out of his, you know, bullshit public image. But that's as, that's as far as I think you know we we get with this. Uh, there is a chance that this is sort of his year of he still got it. He can still lead a team really effectively uh, in the NFL, but it does feel like a toss up between that and he just fades away. And it's kind of this weird, embarrassing thing where we created this weird, almost market resetting contract for a guy who now doesn't even do the thing.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I don't know if we call that justice, but that's probably the closest we'd ever get to it, given the state of of play um, in regards to him at the moment. Um, you know, I in the division. I don't know what to make of the Steelers necessarily. You know, um, Kenny Pickett looked really good in preseason, but what is what is preseason he looked okay last year and the ravens i'm i'm hoping they hit the ce- like i'm hoping they hit the ceilings that that team can hit like the, the fact that lamar is like back happy got his the contract they seemed to have overpaid wildly for obj in order to also make him happy but obj when he was on the rams catching passes from stafford i mean obj was on track to be the mvp of the super bowl and the year that the Rams won because he was just uncoverable like he was as good as he was been at the heights when he was early on the Giants. And then it's easy to forget that he went to the Browns during that Baker Mayfield era and it just did like didn't work at all. And then he went then he just kind of started floating to different teams as he's gotten to that.
1: Well, and because he's been so good at being the mercenary who goes around and like if your quarterback has any game left in his arm at all there will be a meaningful connection between him and OBJ. And that didn't happen with Mayfield was kind of your sign that like, okay, this project is like horribly misguided. Yeah. yeah. But he is, he does appear to be one of those receivers that like, even beyond what stats he compiles by the end of the season, his presence makes your quarterback better.
0: Yeah. And they, they've swapped out their OC. They're bringing in um, this guy, Todd Munkin, who was a, the offensive coordinator on the Arians or uh, it was the Arians pre Tom Brady bucks in which uh, they just whipped the ball down the field. It was a lot of deep passing and Lamar Jackson, despite being known as a runner in college played in a traditional NFL offense that involved a lot of passing. The popular kind of interpretation of, of Lamar is that, Oh, he's not much of a passer. He's really a runner. And that's like not, what he came out of the NFL like being seen as he was seen as a pocket passer with running upside and they just really leaned into that in the way that not dissimilar to you know the bears leaning into Justin Fields uh when they realized they did not have competent NFL level receivers to put on the field instead they just said i don't know bro can you can you move that rock with your feet um so there there is a chance for this team has a really high interesting ceiling and i always like watching Lamar Jackson play. And this is a team that last year, in the wild card, which they, like, barely snuck into because Lamar, like, seemed like he didn't want to play because he didn't want to compromise an existing injury during, like, the contract negotiations that were coming up. Their backup almost beat the Bengals. They almost, like, a team that obviously were juiced for, and they almost beat the Bengals. So there's a lot of talent on that team. They're exceptionally well coached. And Lamar is is really easy to root for. And I always like watching, watching him play. Yeah. Um, a little more, uh, you got to kind of squint your eyes in, in the next division, the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, the Tennessee Titans, like one team that's solidified and then several teams in in flux, right? You've got the Texans with, uh, CJ Stroud as their new rookie quarterback. You have the Colts with Anthony Richardson, the new rookie quarterback and the Titans, uh, I think they have like two different rookies that they've like drafted over the last couple of years, uh in addition to having uh what's his face? Who's um the guy that's been there the last couple of years? Uh his name will come to me. And then obviously you have, you know, Trevor Lawrence with the with the Jaguars. But like yeah. this really mostly seems like three bad teams like the Jaguars just sweeping up, you know, like six to eight wins. Tannehill. Uh Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. yes, yes. Who's been very good, yeah. but has been kind of falling off as like that nucleus of um, him, they Henry. trade away AJ Brown to the Eagles, yeah. and then Derrick Henry is he's he's ta- he has taken that rock as far as he can go. But like, time comes for for us all as a running well, back. Actually,
1: you know, this is probably the moment to talk about this. That's what I was going to say. Is the division where it's, this is ground zero for this division. Yeah, uh, for the, for this division is ground zero for this issue around the running back position.
0: Right, because also with Jonathan or uh, who's the yeah, Colts John, running back, John Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, yes. Yeah. Uh so you and I
1: grew up well, you weren't into football then, but like even even then you you were still around for the uh like the quintessential Bears player is Walter Payton. And if you looked at like who are the stars of the NFL, there's some star quarterbacks, but also there's a lot of star running backs mm-hmm. in this era. You know, Barry Sanders in uh Detroit. Um you know, it's the the the, the star running back is is very much like one of the icons of the NFL at this uh, at, at that moment. And then in the years since the position keeps getting devalued and now it's sort of at this crisis point because teams will not pay running backs uh, big contracts. And a big part of this is because uh, there is basically ironclad math around what. Triggers the d- sudden decline of a running back's performance, and it's carries. Uh, like the magic number is three hundred carries. If if a running back has three hundred carries in the season, the next season he's not going to do what he did the year before. Uh, that is basically like there's a handful of, of of running backs that have defied that, but for the most part, once you hit three hundred carries in the season, guy is done, and he will not be the same after that. And that means that NFL. Running backs come in on a rookie contract, and when it is time to, and they might be amazing on that rookie contract. They might be just god-tier athletes. Doesn't matter. It's still NFL rookie contract. It's not worth market value for what they can do. And then it comes around time to negotiate for you know the veteran contract, the the one where you're supposed to get your real payday based on your market value. And the problem is they have no more market value because in the NFL. You're paying for future projected performance. And if you've been a good running back for a few years in the NFL, all your best carries have happened. There are no more. There's not there's no more good seasons left in you. There's certainly not going to be four or five. There might be one or two, but nobody's going to pay you the big you know, like career
0: contract that's going to guarantee your salary, etc. And one or two conveniently lines up with the way contracts are doled out and the power that own, like, teams have. For the franchise tag, and the franchise tag, yes. After your contract is up, teams have exclusive rights to keep you on a team for against two, your will, basically. Against your will. Um, now th- there are different franchise tags. We have to get into that, but basically, like there are escalators. Like every year, the tag gets more expensive, and the idea being like the the tag gets more expensive. It's also more expensive uh, uh, based on the position. So obviously, mm-hmm. like, tagging a quarterback is is much more fiscally uh, uh, weighted than than in a running back, but that essentially like handcuffs, these players don't have leverage where it's yeah. like they can get you to the end of the prime of your career and you want to come back to the table, sure, maybe we'll keep you and we'll, we'll give you table scraps, but we have complete control over you until you are statistically, analytically irrelevant, except if you are transcendent or like have situational uh, advantages that a team like might have. Look at a Christian McCaffrey, right? Like there are outliers here, like in that part yeah. of him is he's not just a great running back. He's a great packs. He is a he's a wide receiver that happens to also be a good running back. And not everyone's going to be that. Some guys are just you get the ball, pound it through, get the shit beat out of you, and then uh your body doesn't want to do this anymore, and we don't want to pay you for it. And you suddenly go from a position that running backs defined football until relatively recently in the history of the sport. Um, you know, if you don't know the history of football, like passing the forward pass was a invention. It was not part of the core rules. It was something that was developed o- over time, like handing the football to a person and having them run it was essentially the core of football and 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 so what we're seeing is now running backs are becoming like they're still important and in some ways the sport has leaned so far in the other direction that i think running backs they may not gain back monetary value but i think like positional value like yes i think there is going to be advantages for teams that understand how to use it
1: but i think this is the crux of the matter a good running back is still worth their weight in gold. Yeah. Because the pro, so admittedly, like you're the number of guys who are like Derrick Henry, who is a superhero scale figure. Like football mm-hmm. players are big. You see pictures of Derrick Henry running. You remember that all these guys that he's playing against are huge. And he somehow looks like an entire size category bigger. <laughs> uh, like, it is sort of a, like these are, these are not sights you see every day. Uh huh. And so, characters like him have always been historically rare. You know, these are like your marquee guys who show up once a, once a decade in football, who kind of define, uh, you know, the identity of a team. You know, like you know the Peyton Peyton's decade or so in Chicago. You know, Sanders in Detroit. Again, these are the, these are the points of reference. Henry is one of those guys. But even even if you don't necessarily have guys like that, the job of the NFL is a passing league. All of that is true. But the job sure gets a hell of a lot easier if you do have a running game that can uh, break down a defense. And now, there, now there, there is some old school football logic, and this kind of <laughs> kept the running back position probably privileged uh-huh. uh, in how it was treated, probably past its useful lifespan. You had a lot of old football heads who were like, you got to establish the run. You got to establish the run before you can pass passing league never heard of it it becomes a passing league once you showed you
0: can run that football up their gut you know just do all that stuff well and that's the for the the strategic layer for folks that aren't familiar with like the intrigues of football is like the, the the operating theory is that you run the ball they have to commit defenders like at the line of scrimmage in order to block that run and that if they think you're doing a run on the next play they're not going to have as many defenders keying in on like your passing plays. And so it's like, it's just a math equation. Yeah. You're trying to remove, like change the balance <clears> in your favor. And that's where the, you get the modern equivalent of the RPO, the run pass option, which is where you are disguising pass uh, plays to look like a run play. So that, so that they, they think you're going to run a run play and then you run a pass play. And like, sometimes yeah. it's actually, they call it the option option. Because the quarterback is supposed to, when you get into the huddle, right before the pl- the ball is snapped, you will sometimes see a a player like tap the center, communicating to players. Because teams are trying to wait until the last possible second to re- reveal their defensive look. They're like, what are they actually going to, what is the play, because de-? defenses are running plays too. It just we don't really think of it that way because they're in response to what the offense is doing. And so that is where you get kind of like the idea of the run the rock is because you're trying to make the math better for your pass catchers. Well,
1: and also like one of the real reasons that the game became a passing league is because quarterbacks are are exempted from the violence of football in a lot of key ways. Like used to be that even a star quarterback, the odds of him playing 16 games in a season were not amazing. Uh, That's why you'd invest so much in trying to protect them, keep them on their feet. But the odds of you having to have the understudy come in a few times were pretty great. Um, and the other thing is that defenders used to be able to, it was like that bit in the Simpsons where once a guy comes on your property, you can do whatever you want to him. Defenders <laughs> could do that to receivers going over the middle. We've talked about this before as well. Yep. The fact that like a quarterback who just could lead his receiver over, like into, <laughs> into the defense and that receivers expected to catch the ball, but possibly die trying. And that doesn't really happen as much anymore uh and then there's more aggressive penalties so there's a lot of things like pushing toward the pass it's just not as efficient to to run the ball but we've all seen teams that still run that ball an awful lot because it chews up the clock um mike mcdaniel uh in he was with the uh niners when he made this remark but you know we talked about him being the coach of the uh dolphins but he was in this he he gave this answer in a press conference talking about the importance of the run game and he just sort of He put it really well, which was that football is a physical game and there is an aspect of you break down defense by hitting them like it. You can you can you know, we often think of the defense as the guys who are out there doing the doing the tackling, doing the hitting. But the running game lets you flip that on its head. The running game lets you attack the defense directly and say, like, okay, how many plays in a row are you going to be clobbered by a 300 pound lineman? How many times in a row are you going to tackle a running back who's moving shockingly fast. Um, like I can't, you cannot imagine how much power a running back has as they hit the hole. If you like, if you have not stepped in to make a tackle on those guys, you just can't imagine what it's like getting hit by a running back. Who's going full tilt, shoulders lowered. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think you and I both have seen there are teams that derive a ton of value from running backs in the running game. They just don't pay for it because the game is structured that they don't have to. Uh, the salary cap means that nobody is getting paid market value for what they actually do for the team. Like the, doesn't get paid anywhere near it. Quarterbacks realize, you know, the most of their market value, but that comes at the expense of the other players. And so uh, Derek, Henry is sort of your, your last, <clears throat> maybe one of your last really iconic running backs in this division, and the Colts have one too, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think it's what his third season.
0: Yeah, he's, he's he's he he is in that rookie contract. Been been excellent. Would in theory, like most other positions, teams want to make the deal early and they'll give you more money up front to try and like m- save money on the back end, and that's that's like usually the way these negotiations go.
1: And he seems to have not just for himself; like there is an element. Of him being like, as a class, running backs are getting screwed.
0: Well, they had a, uh, famously earlier this year, as like this was coming to a head for a number of players, including I think like Austin Eckler on the Chargers, uh, Josh Jacobs on the Raiders. They had like a running backs Zoom call that was sort of an attempt, like they're all, obviously these players are unionized. They have a players association, but- that players it just doesn't serve their interests. Well, not running right, not running back. Like the the, the single best thing probably that uh, the union could do in his next negotiations is get rid of the franchise tag because it's it is it is the thing that is weighing down running like de incentivized uh, positions more than anything else is that exclusive rights that they have. And basically, these these players got together to try and talk through yes, like trying to identify as a as a position as a kind of like class within the NFL. What can we do collectively in order to make this better? And the long and the short of it is not very much. Um, You know, Saquon Barkley was holding out earlier this year and got a quote, new contract. It was just like less than a million dollars more. It was just to say that he got a win. Um, Josh Jacobs was holding out. I think I saw it this morning that he is now back at the table. He'll probably sign a contract but probably one that's pretty friendly to the team um, and a team that he's been with since he was was drafted. Like, they just unfortunately do not have leverage and teams aren't going to trade capital for them as good as they are. It's rare, like, you get the 49ers, right? But they got Christian McCaffrey because he was a pass catcher. Not because yep. he was a running back. That you know, just makes
1: sneakily it- the Bears did this for a number of years too. All yep. our like great receivers of the past uh our great running backs of the past <laughs> few years have secretly been receivers. You can look at the take. Yep. T- Tariq Cohen, awesome running back. Ugh. What were all his like cool little like social media videos? Him catching passes. Yeah. And like showing what incredible hands he had. Uh but the Colts is where this decision really boiled over. And part of it is because Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, who we've talked about like last year, he brought in his drinking buddy effectively mm-hmm. to coach the team. I forgot uh, about <laughs> that. Jeff like,
0: Saturday? Jeff Saturday. My God. I just like
1: him. He's just a winner. So just he brings him in. The guy's never coached. He's just been a commentator on ESPN. That goes about as well as he thought. I was rooting for him. I love yeah, the idea. It was a great of story. It would have been incredible. It's like some one of us getting picked to be like, go on, coach that team. <laughs> Didn't work out. But so Jonathan Taylor holds out and he is pretty he's pretty clear about like he wants a a much better contract that reflects the value that he knows he's going to bring the team in the next couple of years. That's his peak career value. And I guess, did you hear about this incident where Jim or drives the, drives the, the his van is, is RV up on the practice field. Do you hear about this? No. So he rolls up and I guess he rolls with an entourage
0: of like boomer sure. dudes in his RV in this little like palace. Well, little someone, someone's got to watch all the the drugs that might get, you know, hidden underneath all the couch cushions.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, this, I guess I'm probably going to bastardize parts of the story, but like the holdout's already underway. It's, it's clear this is going to be a tough negotiation. He rolls up his sleeves and it's just like, let me talk to Jonathan Taylor one-on-one, man-to-man. Let's have him. So he has Jonathan Taylor come off the practice field. He's not practicing, he's holding out, and go aboard the bus to, to talk to him like heart-to-heart. And at the end of that, whatever was said, Jonathan Taylor comes off the bus and it turns into a he's demanding to be traded situation. That's where it jumps from a holdout to a I I am getting out of Indianapolis. I don't care what it takes. And I don't think we know yet what was said, but you can kind of imagine just Jim Irsay horribly fumbling his way through this conversation. Go, go
0: read his tweets. I mean, like he is uh, he's a complete he's a complete weird. He's a clown. Yes
1: like uh-huh. and, and by n f l standards, a bit of a charismatic clown. he's a very funny goofy, mm-hmm. like you know inherited the business
0: uh weird dude, you kind of rooted for him a little team bit is undeniable and well, and you kind of rooted for him because he uh he also really hated Dan Snyder, like the owner of the the commanders, and was like yeah. publicly being like this guy's a scumbag we should be like we should be kicking him out of the owner's organization. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> hey, Jim, let him let Jim cook. Let him let, let him yeah. let him go. Like he's he's right about that one. But he is a like he is just a complete nutbag um, from yep. top to bottom. So, yeah. So like this. So this
1: turned this has turned into now a a really like franchise altering uh, like negotiation. Uh and it's it's partly like it 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 has the potential to really uh, fire a torpedo into because especially with a rookie quarterback coming on, boy, you would like a steady pair of hands in the backfield to hand yep. the ball off to and just give your veteran quarter your rookie quarterback those reps where all they have to do is just look athletic
0: and then hand the ball to someone else yeah.
1: and like look the player. scan the ball. field
0: like you're getting ready to pass <clears throat> and then hand hand that ball over to the big guy who can go get you six yards without, without blinking. And so, yeah, it's, but I, my guess is he ends up playing, you know, uh, the, the uh, holding out can be very expensive to the player. Um, And if you're at a period in your career where you haven't accrued the kind of money that you're, that you're hoping for, like that that next contract isn't assured, you know, unfortunately, running backs are also kind of a dime of a dozen in the draft. These days, there are these players that are better than others, but, and you get like, that's what made this year like kind of shocking that the Falcons took Bijan Robinson, who by all accounts is the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. Um, the last time that a, and he was taken like second or third in the draft by the Giants, like just complete. That was as good as Barkley is. That was not the right roster construction move. Um, and then the Lions took a, uh, a running back in the, in the first round as well. Like, but that usually doesn't happen. But also, even if you are doing that, Maybe Bijan Robinson will be one of those like unicorns, but it's also entirely possible that like, hey, you're going to be fucking sick for four years and then good luck with another team that wants to pay you um, yeah. because you can just find these guys in the second, third, fourth rounds um, because unfortunately for running backs like most of them share the same traits and you're, you are just kind of eminently replaceable and you could just put another body in there. Well, Um, because
1: it is turning into a, they're turning into a, um, like a multi-tool type situation where like, are they, are they like elite receivers? No, they don't have the speed or the hands for it, but are they good enough? Like, you know, third, fourth option on a play? Sure. Why not? So they can, they can do that. Uh, do they have that like, Vision field and like raw athleticism that the, the greatest running backs of all time have. No, but can they hit a hole of speed and pick up four or five yards? A lot of them can. So like you see how you get to this point. But I think the real the real risk with something like this is: do you risk destroying your pipeline? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. after a certain point, if you're someone with the like the skill set of a running back, is the skill set of a pretty general generally good athlete. Mm-hmm. And so, do you run the risk of? If you can do anything else, and I don't just mean like another position in football, but also like a different sport, uh, you know, do you do you start seeing people like siphon away into pursuing other things in athletics besides being a football? I don't know. Uh, Football benefits a lot from like, you know, the class injustices of America and people like seeing football as their best their best route uh, forward. But I do think, you know, at a certain point things do
0: respond to market dynamics and if there I is I no real we're already seeing this like the yeah. th- this is why the wanting the wide receiver crops every single year like the draft classes are always good like and yeah. we are th- the running theory like the theory is like that is just the new normal like wide receivers are because that is the cultural trend players wanted to yeah. be wide receivers and thus we are probably likely to see fewer in few, like they'll just be the outliers. It's the Bijan yeah. Robinsons of the world. Or a lot
1: of them become quarterbacks. Because right. it also looks more and more like, boy, it's It's really hard to find somebody to just stand there in the pocket and pick apart a defense and like <laughs> read it seamlessly every time. But it sure seems a lot more feasible to have somebody who like, you got a pretty good arm. Can you roll out and maybe like gouge the defense for 15, mm-hmm. 20 yards? Mm-hmm. Turns out that's a pretty good – that's a pretty good skill set.
0: Uh, before we take a break, uh, let's do the, the AFC West real quick. Uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Denver Broncos. A lot of these teams are pretty static in where they're at, and, and then the one outlier really is the Broncos. Like That is can't-miss television, at least for the first week or two, to find out can Sean Payton fix Russell Wilson. If not, crucially, his job does not depend on fixing Russell Wilson. It so. does not. That was communicated pretty early that like, and that's what makes like <clears throat> part of what Russell Wilson was trying to do was model Tom Brady, right? Like, I'm going to go to a team that's going to build around me. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did that with, the you know, going to the Jets and, and leaving the Packers. I want to go to a team whose entire worldview is built around what do I want? And the Broncos – did that gave him the big contract like traded away a billion draft picks um now granted did they get a coach nathaniel hackett which clearly was meant to be a signal for aaron Rodgers to come to the broncos and that didn't work out yeah um but yeah sean should have been nick in place he wouldn't
1: have known the difference he'd have been like russell seems like a good kid sure
0: Uh, and so you bring Sean Payton in, you know, uh, you know, one of those well-regarded coaches had a, the Saints always in contention, despite never caring about the cap or draft capital. They were always a good and entertaining team. So if they, what if he basically put some contracts out on NFL players <laughs> or
1: yeah, your yeah. points of his career?
0: <laughs> um, and so he, he ends up in the Broncos essentially with a long-term view on like, where is this team going? And, and I think, all this he's being asked by this new ownership uh, that owns the Broncos now is basically like, can, you, can we get anything out of this? Because I believe after this season, yes, would they eat a lot of money? But yes, they could essentially move on from Russell Wilson. And so my guess is that's what's happened. But also the the floor is so low on what the Broncos could be that I can't help but like expect that Sean Payton will get them to at least mediocrity. Um you know, kind of by hook or by crook, um, just given that he's a he's a good offensive schemer.
1: I'm, I have, I think they have more upside than the Raiders right now.
0: Yes. Um, oh, come on. Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, hey.
1: And boy. Uh, the Chargers. I don't know. Like
0: I, I they love their quarterback. Herbert. It was yeah. so
1: it was so palpable, but it also feels like that team just doesn't.
0: I think their coach sucks. Um uh I think I think Brandon Staley it's funny because you have these coaches who come in that are eminently quotable right like Brandon Staley comes in he's like a favorite amongst like NFL writers because he's really thoughtful like empathetic um he actually comes from the bears like he was he was on the bears coaching staff then goes to the rams um and then and then ends up being hired to be the coach uh for the Chargers but um he like Their defense has not been very good. Exactly. I know Mina. They traded for Khalil Mack, and like none of that has really worked out for them. And their offense has been really conservative and hasn't hasn't done very much. I mean, he is going to be fired if they do not win a playoff game this year. And if you're asking me what's going to happen to the Chargers, I think the Chargers are going to fire Brandon Staley, and they're not going to win a playoff game uh, later this year. The Raiders are a whole different mess because the economics of the Raiders are um, that's because of the John Gruden contract, and then, uh, you know, John like, Gruden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still. Pa- I think they're. I think they're still litigating that in court. Um, oh, over, they like, are. How much they do or don't owe him. Um, so, just a bizarre. I, I expect them to be pretty. Me- like they don't have an identity. Like at least if your team sucks shit and they're trying to get a high draft pick, that's an identity. They kind of know what you're in for. Like the Raiders traded for Devontae Adams. They're signing Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to pay Josh Jacobs some money. I, I just don't know what. They are, and you exist in a division with the Chiefs. Like, yeah. where, where are the Raiders going? I don't know. Um, but I will be watching the Broncos at least a couple of games because I'm going to be really curious to see what Russell Wilson does. Because if he's bad, it, that's kind of humor, humorous in and of itself. I mean, it got so sad last year. Do you, doing, do you remember him on the, on the airplane doing, like, the exercises, trying to pump himself up? Like, just the saddest shit imaginable.
1: Well- it's weird. It's like everyone finally decided, oh, man, I've secretly hated that guy for years. Time to go after him. Yeah. And it's, it, it was we, like, look, I, there's a lot of things I've enjoyed about. Um, is it the Amazon uh, broadcast? I think it is. Their, their mm-hmm. halftime, uh, their pregame, postgame show is actually like probably the best in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, but Richard Sherman's on that. Famously hates uh, Russell Wilson um you know they did not they did not get along uh and it was uncomfortable the degree to which that entire broadcast seemed to get in on the act of just like dragging russell wilson to hell mm-hmm. uh but it, it is striking like just how many people seemed to have had it in for him for a long time and like now the blood was in the water and it was clear to open up on him uh and i it, i don't know like it seems a lot of it seems to come from former teammates Uh, like the, there was something about him just really rubbed people the wrong way, like being in an organization with him. Uh, but after a certain point also, it's like, you're all grown, grown ass men. Like, come on, like you can't, you can't be working this out this in this publicly over the most relatable thing in, in, in sports. Right. Which is it all goes away from you all at once. This is the nightmare of most athletes is that you go back out there and you got nothing left and you look like a chump. And most of the time you have sympathy for that. And this time, everyone was like, Haha, you see, you see,
0: this is always who he's been. And that's that it's
1: been a weird, uncomfortable
0: thing to watch. It has been. Uh, well, let's take a break. We'll come back. Race to the NFC. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What <laughs> changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar or you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, And as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving. It's high protein. Has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And look... You put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code remap at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap, and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode.
1: Hey, Remap Radio listeners, Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores, making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget and, unfortunately, my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy, and not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient, delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's, right, that's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off.
0: And we're back. Uh, Now we're into the the other half of the the NFL. The NFC East, the newly uh, departed from Daniel Snyder, the Washington Commanders. The New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of interesting teams, but I I feel compelled to start with the Cowboys, not because of what I think about Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy calling plays, which I think is going to ultimately doom them (laughs) this this year, but is the fact that they traded a fourth-round pick for Trey Lance. Um, the quarterback that the 49ers uh, traded away three first-round picks for and uh, eventually just didn't have room on their depth chart for a guy they drafted a couple of years ago using a, just an, an inc- incredible amount of draft capital. Uh, and now the Cowboys have him as a their QB2, essentially.
1: I don't know what to make of this. Like, because here's the weird thing. So ultimately... If you view it as, well, that is not a good return on the draft capital you invested. That's true. But if you view it all as just part of a process, the thing that mm-hmm. never seemed like it would have worked out is the dude like Brock Purdy is going to show up and prove to be a good quarterback. You just there's no there's no. is he though? We for
0: have that. an incredibly small sample size. Like, I still think it is well within the, the range of outcomes that this year, like Garoppolo left and for all his problems was like. He was injury-prone, like pretty steady, could mostly deliver the ball. Well, uh,
1: everybody, the Niners, is injury-prone. Well, to that's the point true. where maybe some questions need to be asked of the training staff.
0: Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, you know, like Bradbury, I, I think he's probably going to be fine. I think he's probably like an average starter that benefits greatly from Kyle Shanahan being an offensive genius. But it's also still well within the realm of possibility that he – like just went on an absolute tear right time right situation like didn't know what he was getting so he had complete confidence and just let it rip and like yeah. what happens when you have the expectations of an off season for a team that has to win the super bowl uh just just utterly but, bizarre but this is the thing like there is no
1: Every quarterback draft is just a weird lottery uh, there's a lot. Of, the tape is dissected and there's a lot of analysis. It's 50-50. They've lo- the last
0: 10 years they've looked back and it is a coin flip for even like the highest of rated prospects.
1: And so the like the difference between being a college quarterback and an NFL quarterback is such a weird thing mm-hmm. that it boggles the mind that we are here. But also, is it possible that like one of the weird things about just the way NFL quarterbacking works is that Brock Purdy's situation turns out to be, oh, does he have the physical skill set? Not at all. But just by being kind of unflappable in that situation is being like, yeah, I probably don't belong here anyway. I'm just going to chuck it and see what happens, and like respond to coaching. Does it turn out to be like that ability to make the quick reads? Not really like doubt it. And then just respond to coaching. Does that turn out to be decisive? Right. And it turns out like everyone else works so hard to be like, how do I translate my game to the NFL? And he and him the last pick in the draft, the Mr. Relevant uh, draft by not having any game to speak of when he comes in is just like, oh, let's just see what happens. And he turns out to be a great NFL starter. I would not surprise me if it turns out that the entire thing is so weird and the way quarterbacks are assessed And brought up is so uneven in terms of outcome that secretly like Brock Purdy has turned out to be the guy. And we have another weird Tom Brady situation, not in terms of like, you know, what the career is going to do. Who knows? But you've ended up with a guy who like kind of an anonymous college experience ends up translating perfectly to the NFL uh, for reasons that are just hard to really put a finger on. Mm hmm. Wouldn't surprise me if that if that has turned out to be the case. Like, the thing that really surprised me is how much that locker room likes him. Like, yeah. the guys on the team are all pretty united that this guy has whatever the stuff is to be a quarterback. He's got it. Um, and and sometimes that, that makes is, the decision
0: for you. Right. Where yeah. like, hey, he got us to the NFC championship game last year, like in an in a, like odd stacked against him situation. He did what Shanahan asked of him. And when they flamed out in the game against the Eagles, now do I think they were going to get their ass handed to them regardless of whether Purdy got hurt? Yeah, the Eagles were just a machine uh, at that point. They were going to run them down. But, like, Purdy did get injured. And, like, at that point, it's like Trey Lance, he was a really rough prospect when he came into the league. He had played one game in the last couple of years. Um, He were mostly just identifying, a uh, like, a prospect like he has the tools to do something special and then just by circumstance by team construction by injury luck you know he ends up not being able to get a chance to do that and there are probably you know I I saw like a lot of uh, discourse around Lance when this when this trade happened uh, and even leading up to it like this is also some of the consequence of the NFL not having any developmental like if there's nowhere to put Trey Lance right like Here is somebody that could be, in theory, someone special. You don't know, but also just because of circumstance is now not even going to get a chance to see if they could become that special. And in other sports, there are places to put them where they can play and try and work that out, somewhere that's more meaningful than uh, being the backup and sitting on the bench and being good in meetings.
1: Well, so... A part of it stems from the fact that the NFL is wedded to college football, which is useless for raising quarterbacks yes. like it is like, you know, we talked about it a bit last time, but the divergence between the two games feels really pronounced. And so, yes, there's a lot of like dissecting of the tape and analyzing all this, but because of the way college football is constructed and the pr- uh, primacy of the coach in that environment. Uh, it is not a place where you can have very much confidence that guys are being properly trained to play the position of NFL quarterback. It's just a totally Mm -hmm. different thing. And so, you know, that's part of what makes it such a variable thing is, you know, you might as well roll the dice on a guy. There's not a ton of game tape because it doesn't matter. Like guys who've been there for, for ages don't necessarily have a lot of game tape. You can, you can really judge by, but yeah, there is no, the other weird part of this is, because bad teams always get first shot at the draft, they always have their own prospect that they're like, well, this is our guy. This is our quarterback of the future. This is who we're trying to make it work with. And so the guy who sort of fizzles out in a place or just doesn't get his opportunity. There is no real pipeline to have those guys go to sort of your B-tier teams who are like, we just need somebody with an arm and some, t- and some skills and we can develop them. Uh, but we just need some sort of ste- like someone who has the potential to be a steady hand back there. That's what we need to develop. All the teams in that boat are either like they've stumbled into a competition window where they're getting a quarterback off free agency or they have a prospect. that They're like, we feel good about this guy. We drafted. It's a three year project. And so, there, yeah, there's no space for for these guys to go. I think he might have ended up in one of the better situations mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of he's going behind a veteran quarterback whose position is not as secure as it used to be um, just because the team has not proven to be as much of a competitor as it was hoped it would be. And the guy's enough veteran. There's been enough injury history that
0: you'll probably play a lot and he'll, yeah.
1: chan- he'll have chances to play.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably like better to be there than on the 49ers, probably like the kind of uh, spot where things move around um, and you, you might get a shot, but uh, yeah, I mean the, in, in the Cowboys specifically though, I, Again, Mike McCarthy is calling plays this year. Um, I know how that ended in Green Bay. And obviously Aaron Rodgers complicates any conversation about like your relationship with an offensive play caller and what is the offense. But I, I, don't, know. I, don't, know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I just I think there's a real good chance that this goes spectacularly wrong. I thought it was interesting that on the most recent preseason game um, for the Cowboys, I don't think uh, Dak played because he's he seasoned enough that he doesn't really need to. The, the team's roster is pretty stable. But they had him call plays and they they scored like forty points. Um so I mean obviously there lots of quarterbacks end up doing their own play calling or becoming really entrenched in the like with the Cowboys the play calling. in particular. Jason yeah. Garrett. Yeah. 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 So but it wouldn't shock me if uh if it, I thought it was very funny given McCarthy's own history with Aaron Rodgers that you would then have this quarterback who is calling plays uh, for a preseason game ahead of a season where he's going to call plays. for It's just, I don't know. It's, McCarthy's an odd guy. Yeah. Like,
1: he always feels like a guy that might be booked for some sort of, like, weird fraud scheme at any moment. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know how to evaluate him because sometimes I think, is his real crime just that, like, I don't got to work that hard and I'm not gonna. But also, to an extent, like, his teams are rarely that bad. Uh, which is not a statement you can make of a lot of NFL quarterbacks where it's like, where's the floor down there? No, (laughs) look, look lower. And so to an extent, like sometimes I wonder if it it just a style thing where McCarthy refused to play, refuses to play the game of like, I'm a genius. I'm a boy genius. Look at all the football knowledge you got rattling around my brain. He shows up like a middle manager to a pretty good cush gig. And that's how he's going to treat it. And you know, do his teams underperform? Probably, but a lot of times you can look at those teams and you can say like there's some fatal flaws here. Yeah. Is it the coach's job to fix them. I don't know, probably, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I yeah, I can never I never figure that dude out. Uh, the rest of this division,
0: you know, Commanders, the big thing I guess is Snyderless. Yeah. And they're rolling the dice on this rookie Sam Howell um who's yeah. who's, who's looked all right. The Giants are in a weird spot because they were forced to they were supposed to be the Chicago Bears level bad last season. Seems like they have an extremely good coach in Brian Dable. And then, like, they coached themselves to a playoff win. And so they had to pay Daniel Jones. And uh, they probably contract. should not have paid Daniel Jones, but like they found themselves in an awkward position of, ah, we expected to be bad enough to be drafting a quarterback. And now we have this guy. And so just weird. And the Eagles, despite their roster being, uh, you know, excellent, even though they've, they've, you know, they've shedded some players as you often do uh season to season. And they picked up Jalen Carter by like extreme circumstance. We'll see if he pans out to something and if their culture can kind of bring something out of him, they lost like all of their non head coach coaches uh, this off season. You know, their offensive uh, coach goes to the Colts uh, to work with Anthony Richardson. Their defensive coach, uh coach goes to the Cardinals um uh, to take the head coaching position there. And so it is not hard to imagine as well constructed as that team is, like their OC was really well regarded. Like that is like no. he just seems to really understands Jalen Hurts and how to put him in a position to succeed. What happens when you take away stuff like that and and you kind of like lose some of the floor that you are getting from from that coaching. Um I don't I know. I feel
1: like NFL coaching staff's got a brief respite. Because the McVeigh tree was so overrated mm-hmm. that for years, like teams were just like, but what about
0: this guy who briefly worked with Sean McVeigh <laughs> yeah. or like kind of knew him? You know, he and, was like, in the background go- of a video once with Sean McVeigh. He probably picked something up from him. Yeah. And
1: now we're back to the classic. Who's good? All right, just raid their raid their yeah, coaching yes. coaching staff. They went to the uh, Super Bowl.
0: Just, uh, there's probably a reason for that. Just hire that guy. Just pay him whatever yeah. you need to pay.
1: You a position coach? You want to be a coordinator? All right. <laughs>
0: come on board. Uh yeah.
1: The, the but you know, maybe it'll all be there's nothing they can't overcome if uh like Jalen Hurts just dedicates himself even more intensely to football. Mm, uh mm-hmm, th- mm-hmm. it's just so weird. Like, he's an incredible player. Yeah. But watching commenta- commentators talk about like it's always presented as a good thing that, like, this dude just has nothing in his life but football. He just lives for football. He has no hobbies, no interests. No, he just – he's just here for football. If anything doesn't make him better at football, he's not into it. And everything I hear about that is like, that's concerning. That is a little – is that good? Do we do we like to hear that? Mm-hmm. You know, the, re- the results, you know, maybe you speak for themselves, but also to an extent. It's just, it's just kind of a weird dynamic you hear come up when people talk about like the greatness of Jalen Hurts. And a lot of it centers on he's the ultimate grind guy that like there is no there there, there is you can never say he didn't want him enough or, or work hard enough. His focus is always like razor sharp on football. Um, I just, you know, I hear stuff like that. And I'm like, is any sport, most of all football, really going to repay that attachment? I don't mm. know. But uh, he went to Super Bowl. He stands to go to maybe more. So, you know, what do I know?
0: Yeah. Uh, What I do know is that uh, very shortly, Rob, you and I will be rooting for the Chicago Bears in the NFC North made up of the Green Bay Packers, the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears, and the Minnesota Vikings. And look, you know, I've liked a lot of the moves the team has made. I watched that last preseason game and saw a lot of the similar Uh things that um, I see (laughs) Justin Fields. I didn't like that. I I don't like that we can't seem to throw a short pass. I know that Khalil Herbert, should have caught it. It was, it was right on the money. But, Rob, I'm... I'm, I'm slow. I'm worried. It's, slow? Dude, I, how can you not Oh, he's slow. Like, I mean, his processing is slow. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm, I am worried that um, what is thought to believe kind of like a f- potentially fatal flaw of how Ohio State, which is where uh, Fields came out of in college, produces quarterbacks, which is just doesn't really give them the skills to succeed for like NFL offenses. Um, And you're seeing a lot of the same habits, which is he wants to throw the ball deep. And then if there's nothing there, uh, he's probably going to get sacked. And if he's doing like a short read, if it's not there immediately, instead of letting anything develop or stepping up on the pocket, he's running. And that produced some very exciting plays last year amidst a very bad team that was being bad on purpose. And all of that worked out exactly how they wanted to they even lucked into a number one pick in the draft despite not earning it thank you lovey smith but i i love justin fields he seems so fun i want him so badly to be the guy or even just like a pretty good guy you don't have i don't need greatness rob i don't i don't need a uh a, a patrick mahomes i don't need that i could just be like like a top 10 guy, like a, like an eight, like a nine. Like I'd be happy with that. And I am worried that Justin Fields has some fatal flaws that the team's going to be better than they were. He's going to be better than they were. DJ Moore is, he's not quite Stefan Diggs or AJ Brown, but he's really good. Um, and he is going to bail out this offense a bunch this season. And look, at the so, end of the season, all I want is to find out if he's good or not. And if it turns out he's bad, I will be heartbroken. <clears throat> but I'd rather find out he's bad this year and then cut bait next year. Man, there's a few things here.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the first inkling I had that, like, the Bears might not be back was that after, I think, the first preseason game, they had some amazing, like, fields, you know, back-to-back touchdown drives, like some mm-hmm. incredible stuff. And then I remember uh, Brian Baldinger, uh, does these amazing breakdowns, these breakdowns on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He holds his fucking phone up to his yeah. all 22 game tape and then gives you the most like. What I love about football is you can have dudes who some of the biggest meatheads in the world who are like genius level IQs. Like <laughs> Ryan Baltinger just like, look how hungry this guy is. Look <laughs> yeah. at this. And then starts going into basically NFL calculus, just like describing the astrophysics of a play. And. But what he's breaking down is both of those touchdowns were broken plays. He was like, these plays fell apart. The Bears didn't execute them well, mm-hmm. but they felt they fell apart in ways that the defense also didn't know how to read what was happening on the field. And so you had two scores and he was like, sometimes you get lucky and you have opportunity and like, that's great. You know, that's it's the, the, those are great signs, but. Ultimately, that is not how they drew it up, and in the NFL, you kind of need to be able to draw it up and have it execute. Mm-hmm. And then the, in the Bills game, you see Fields throws are late and they are off target. And like one of one of DJ Moore's best receptions uh, with, with a run coming on the end of it was one of those things where he had to stop dead in the middle of the field gather up an errant pass and then like break a couple tackles and make the edge and, and go on a big run. But this is not the stuff you want to see. like yeah. you need to be able to hit him in stride and let him like, instead of having him salvage an underwhelming pass, you want to hit him uh, so that he's able to have the big explosive play. I, there's a lot of things I worry about. Um, you know, you get into the NFL. There's a lot of voices in your ear. One of the first voices fields had was uh, Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. who didn't know how to cultivate quarterbacks. Um, you know, he had no weapons. So his, his instincts to, there's nothing, you know, what are you going to learn to read when there's nothing downfield? You might as well run. He gets hurt doing that shit early. Um, I do worry that there is an element of how much can you fix via training following bad formative experiences in the NFL. Um, now, I think the processing stuff is real. Uh, But I also think, you know, when guys get off to a rocky start, you've really set the table for overthinking while you're in the pocket as you try to, like, you know, do all the things that you didn't do right last time. Now you're now you're trying to put all that into practice um, while this like blindingly fast game is unfolding around you. I'm really I'm really worried for uh, really what the Bears have done to Justin Fields. Like Mm -hmm. I could easily imagine he goes to any other team. Well, there's a few others where it probably would have gone about the same or worse. But, like, I think a lot of other teams maybe has a great career. He goes to the Bears, and it'll be another, damn, I guess he just didn't work out either. What bad luck. And I'm like, I am not convinced it's luck in the case of the Bears. Uh, I think a lot of it's going to stem from, you know, allowing the lame duck coaching of Nagy to have first crack at fields. And then,
0: yeah, I don't know what it is about fluce, uh, man. Like... It's hard to know because they they gutted the entire team, right? And so yeah. this is a de- defensive coach in which midseason they traded their best player, Rokon Smith, to the Ravens. They traded away. Um, oh, what was his face? He they traded him to the Eagles for a fourth rounder. Um, he had the like the, the 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 franchise sack. He matched the sack total. The, uh, Robert Quinn. Um yeah. They traded away Khalil Mack. I, they took away. All the tools for a defensive yeah. coach. And so at that point, all it is is culture, right? And, and, but also culture is easier to establish when it's the first year or two and everyone's expecting you to be bad. Um, and they were. And so, like, but Nagy also established great culture early. Right. Yeah. Well, they also had a great first season, right? Like, yeah. they, like that, they, you know, obviously they disastrously lost in the playoffs, but it seemed like a foundation to go forward with. And granted, I'd rather a a culture be established in losing to create resilience than it is in winning and essentially creating a fog that doesn't actually tell you what the team is or isn't. So I don't, well, I think we'll learn a lot this season as well, like about the coach and defensive coaches can work like, uh, the, the uh, Sean McDermott, like the bills coach, like he seems like he has a good eye for talent to come. Like, they lost Brian Dable to the Giants. And yes, the Bills had a rocky second half to the season. But it wasn't – I don't think that's because it was a new offensive mind. Like they had a catastrophic injury to a like a yep. player and a and, and weird weather game. So I just don't know. It can work. It bummed me out when they hired a defensive coach. I just don't think that's where this – like that's not where the the league is going. And I was excited for finally this team to have some sort of – Offensive, and Obviously, it was the idea with Nagy. I liked that they went with somebody like that, even though Nagy ended up being a clusterfuck all his own. It, it was still a good process to hire somebody with an offensive mind. And so, I don't know. I, I think this team has an extremely wide range of outcomes. Yeah. You could tell me a year from now, we're sitting here, they've drafted another quarterback, Fields... Is was traded for a fourth rounder to the Cowboys because <laughs> Trey Lance didn't work out. Um and, and we're starting from scratch again. And honestly, I want Fields to work out. But where the team is actually at in their arc would actually make way more sense for like a rookie quarterback starting over next year where there's not that much pressure and the rest of the team is starting to gel and cook around him. Yeah. So Fields finds himself on a team on a on a timeline that does not match necessarily like his own personal progression. And then also you could you could tell me that like look, he like he finally is getting to be at a back to back uh, offensive systems. His the uh, offensive line can't be worse. The defense is going to be better, and and thus give the offense more time to uh, be off the field. Um, And third years where like the biggest jumps happen, regardless of like any circumstances, the quarterback. So if, I, I'm I'm betting on that he's going to be good, but not great. And then I yeah. just don't know what that means for the team at the end of the season. It's like, what do you do with him? Because essentially you would start having contract talks um, yeah. or fifth round uh, or fifth, uh, fifth year option pickup talks at the end of the season. And the worst place you want to be is we're not sure what he is. Like he was better. Is he great? Yeah. If you don't think he's great, then you probably hope the Panthers suck and take somebody else. Uh, uh, next year. Um. So yeah, I mean, we'll see where it lands. But um, yeah, my um, I'm less very optimistic
1: s- than I was like in the abstract of the season, like midsummer when the schedules first came out. I was like, bear down, baby. And now, like that last preseason game. And look, oh, I know God. you shouldn't go, especially this preseason. I know new school preseason is like you it can't read anything by it. Yes, but but I was seeing things that concerned me.
0: Seeing things that concern me and I hate, I hate so much. Now I'll be over the moon if it goes a different way, but I hate that for a season there's like so much riding on it, less about them being winners as much as it's like the development of fields and like is he the player that we hope he, he can be, is to have the opening game of the season be against the fucking Packers at Soldier Field. Like it just will, like if they lose that game, and if it goes embarrassingly oh bad, if, if Jordan Love is just out there dunking on the Bears, yes, like do you like that is going to feel, that is going to set a mood for the season that is just so sour. Um, well, and it will be the most. It will like
1: the thing that like so if Jordan Love turns out to be decent, and I think we we all know like there's. Lightning has not struck three times. We all know this is not going to be they got another of Rogers continuum no. type guy. If they if they did, they we would have seen evidence of that. But if it turns out he is fine. Just solid, like, you know, decent, competent quarterback. And they were just keeping that under wraps while he was like learning the game behind Aaron Rodgers and just hanging out there. That again points to the you can draft the Bears can draft whoever they want. It won't matter because their pipeline is broken. They can't. They cannot fashion a quarterback. Yeah. Anyone who gets in there isn't going to work out. Whereas Jordan Love, if it turns out that he's okay, that's going to be signs that like he seems like a pretty average prospect who had a pretty average to uh, below average like showing in those other seasons where they were sort of keeping him on the bench. And if he turns out to be okay then that's going to be both real proof of like the Packers as an organization, really being good at developing people behind the scenes without needing to get them game reps. Uh, and
0: also just kind of highlight the real
1: differences between these franchises.
0: Yep. So could feel very, our feel the season can go a lot of ways. Our feelings can go a lot of ways. And yeah. I'm real curious weeks. about the Packers though.
1: Like Jordan love. Yeah. It's just an interesting situation. Matt LaFleur is kind of a weird nobody's been allowed to be a real head coach
0: Mm -hmm. in green Bay since Mm -hmm. McCarthy's early years with Rogers. And I think when now we're going to finally sort of see like, what is his full vision of an offense? And my inclination is to think that it's going to be pretty good. Like, I think despite the fact that they have like, like the youngest, like skill core on offense, like in years in the NFL, like everyone there is just extremely young. I think he's a really good coach and play caller and I think the Packers are going to yeah. I think the Packers are going to be better than people are expecting I think the Vikings have a real uh, chance to be like just regression monsters and yep. like just be like decidedly average right. other than uh, Justin Jefferson being like must watch TV every week and, and I that's think, the
1: case that speeds up the speed at which you got to get Cousins out of there correct like, I think it's, his, Cousins la- I think it's decent, his last season there steady hand but like you know, the ceiling is lower than you would like. Yeah. And if you have a dude like Justin Jefferson, you've got to get him somebody a quarterback as quickly as humanly possible. Yeah. Because uh, the, the, the Vikings can't watch another marquee receiver walk because they have not been able to get a decent a decent arm uh, under center to, to get balls to him. Correct. Uh, and then my adoptive team. The Lions. Yeah. You're taking the fresh off. Knocking, uh, knocking the, the Packers out of the out of the playoffs and sending rogers packing uh i am here for dan campbell's lions
0: i am i'm curious to see uh like history of the franchise is against them right um this is the first time in a long time that i think they're coming in with expectations and i will be very it's one thing to be the scrappy underdog and it's easy then it's easy to forget that last year they went like one in seven to, I mean, like they were disastrous to open the season. Like they, they, and then they went on a sprint at the end, but they're, they're like real, like <laughs> go one in seven. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was that bad, but it was bad. Like it was yeah. like the only reason they were sniffing the playoffs at the end was because they um, completely flipped the script in the, in the second half of the season. But, um, you know, I mean, they were all, like barely winning games against the bears. Like I was at the lions game. Like, th- th- you know, it, th- you shouldn't have been, you should have been beating us worse than, than they actually did. I think they won by three points. But I'm I get no animosity towards Lions fans really, and so I uh, at least interdivisional I I would be happy if Lions fans could experience some joy. And that Hard Knocks got me so high on that. And, and the Hard I'll, Knocks. I'll like, go back to hating you next season, right? Yeah. Like those, like you get this one grace period where my feelings on my team are pretty low. I'd rather beat you than lose to you. But I'm okay if you experience a little bit of light and joy uh, in, in your life. Um, there would probably be less of that in the NFC South, uh, which is full of just a bunch of strange teams, the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers. Um, you've got uh, Bryce Young, also known as like mini Russell Wilson, who was already a small quarterback to start uh, as the rookie uh, over on the Panthers. Uh, the Falcons are starting, uh, their own rookie quarterback in a second year. Uh, Destin Ritter. I forget what his first name is. Um, uh, after having Marcus Mariota, uh, be like just completely abysmal last year. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe our boy, who do we, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield has won the starting job there, uh, in, uh, in Tampa Bay and the Saints, uh, brought, uh, over Derek Carr from uh, the Raiders um, uh, to be to be their quarterback. Just a weird, messy division. Atlanta has just, like, the strange... Like, they don't have a quarterback. Uh, Desmond Ritter, that's his first name. Uh, Ritter d- didn't look very good last year in the short stints that uh, he was playing. Uh, they had opportunities to get a quarterback the last two years, have chosen not to, and instead have drafted Kyle Pitts, like... Long seen as like the best tight end prospect since Gronk. Uh, uh, Bijan Robinson, who is like the, like we said, the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. Uh, they have, uh, they have Drake, Drake London, I believe is one of the wide receivers. Like they have an, an incredible offensive cast. And then what happens when a, someone needs to throw the ball to those people? I'm deeply curious to see what it is. I think it's going to be entertaining, um, <clears throat> but I don't, I I don't know what that team is. I don't know. I don't know what a lot of these teams are. I mean, the Panthers are a bad team with a rookie. Like they just want to get him through the season. They're easy to read. But beyond that, it's like the Buccaneers are a a Tom Brady hangover. They seem unwilling to tear it down, but also unwilling to find like a real quarterback to play with the talent they have remaining. And the saints are the saints. They've been pretty messy since Sean Payton left.
1: Yeah, it's, this is probably this is probably the most et cetera division in the n f l right now mm-hmm. uh and yeah, it's just I don't even see these teams play that often to be no. quite honest like if if i like when I think about these teams, it's like Oh, they're playing against someone more relevant, and I'm seeing a bit of them, but like they, these are not the, these these not sort of the first rank uh, teams, and they all they're all kind. These of family, are a lot of teams,
0: Rob, that are usually playing at noon alongside the Bears, and so you're watching the Bears game. And like I, uh, I was filled with great dread to see that um, the like last year because I knew the Bears going to be bad. It was just like thank just be on at noon. There's nothing yep. worse than what we talked about. This, but there's nothing worse than watching your team be bad. on like Sunday night football. It's fucking. Yeah. But miserable. on the other hand, we got that. We got that Patriots
1: game. We did get that Patriots game. and All that was awesome. the, the whole country got to watch the Bears just like put the hammer God. to the Patriots. And we got that brief taste
0: of like, what if this team were good? Yeah. What if that could that could be us, Rob? Um, um I don't think it's going to be us, but. They didn't even. They could have scored forty points, and they chose not to. Like that's how good they were at that game. Oh. Peyton nearly like flipped the couch in his room. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: was just like, no, no. I mean, anytime you go into Gillette, you hang
0: forty points on the on the, pay, the Patriots. You do it. I agree. Who needs the respect of Bill Belichick? Just go in there and ram it down his throat. That's what he does to everybody else. Uh, I mean, yeah. like it's weird because like for me, the or for us really, the like the these teams aren't that. Interesting. Um, and then, but you have like the Panthers having traded the bears, their first round pick next year. And so depending on where the bears season goes, that we're also going to be looking at their, the, the Panther season, like because some, however they go, their ups and downs are going to influence what we are capable of doing next season. What, you know, if they, if the bears are bad and we end up with a top 10 pick, if the Panthers are bad and we end up with a top 10 pick, I mean, That's that's what gets you in the ballgame to go get somebody somebody else. Um, And that I hopefully we're not having that conversation. And instead, it's hopefully the Panthers are bad so we can get Marvin Harrison, Jr., this wide receiver prospect that's supposed to be like the most incredible player in in years, like really, uh, really since Jamar Chase, like that level of of player. But I don't know. I don't think you and I are going to be watching a lot of these games uh, this year is is my estimation, Uh, which brings us all the way. So the final division, the NFC West, um, also filled with a bunch of kind of oddball uh, teams at, at different points in their their arcs. The Arizona Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers, Los Angeles Rams. The Rams being uh, two years divorced from their Super Bowl win, and the team seems just like they're getting – like seems like post-Super Bowl, Sean McVay wasn't sure if he wanted to coach anymore. Uh, and a lot of those players aren't sure if they want to be there anymore. But they're there, they're playing, and I don't know what this team is. We have talked about, uh, I, you know, honestly, literally, we had this conversation last year
1: But fuck it, I'm going to have it again. Mm-hmm. You and I have often talked about, would you rather have a team win a Super Bowl or would you rather have a team be reliably good? huh. And the Rams are the quintessential, Yeah. sometimes winning the Super Bowl is a devil's pact that's <laughs> going to ruin the enjoyment of watching that team. Yeah, like they had a couple of really fun years. You had the like, mm-hmm. oh, man, what an incredible team. And then the fizzle against the Patriots, like really disappointing stuff. Uh, but then you had like the Super Bowl run. And then since then, it has been like. The fastest. Uh, like, it's rare you see the bill come due all at once, where it's like we handed out bad contracts to force the window open and like get the team through it. And mm-hmm. it actually worked out. And now we are just holding a bunch of toxic paper <laughs> and, like, a staff and group of players that are, like, really un- like really undecided about still being here. Uh, and we're just going to try to, like, make the best of it. And they're not fun. They don't appear to be having fun. Mm-mm. Um, but maybe this year they've shaken that off and they'll be a bit
0: more of a normal team. But last, last year was grim. It was grim. They got they they were hit by a lot of injuries but it seemed like they were they were desperate to not have the Super Bowl hangover it's like we're good and we're going to stay being good that's what we're going to do and then they were bad they were really bad uh they were another team that believed in Allen Robinson which hasn't worked out for <laughs> anyone past like the early Jacksonville Jaguars although he was good for the like two years at that- on the bears for the right, right at the end there it was like, is he quitting he was on great, the team? right up
1: until they expected a good quarterback to be throwing to him? And I then know. he was like, I
0: know he went, he fell off a cliff right as we got fields. Ugh, different timelines could have, could have emerged, but yeah, they, and cause I remember reading something about uh, where someone asked McVeigh um, like mid season last year or something like that, where it was like, how did you expect to feel after the Super Bowl?" And he said like more fulfilled and like, Oh, did you so he had an interview with um like
1: one of the ESPN guys, like the mm-hmm. they the piece on him on uh, ESPN The Daily talking about just like his dark night of the soul following the Super Bowl win of like, is this it? And just kind of like a howling yeah. void of like achieving success young, the height of your profession, and realizing like, oh, that didn't do anything for me at all. Mm hmm. That's a terrifying it was a terrifying interview. It was it was just like it's easy I think especially like you you and I in our positions in life. It's very easy to think about like oh man, what would it be like to be like a true I guess you almost had a taste of that, right? Like you know, a, a like really young reporter starting early mm-hmm. in this. Like, you know, you're 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 built for this. But like he has the he starts young, he rocks the front of his profession and then like his profession has the big shiny brass ring. You can win. You can't win journalism.
0: No, there's a vic- there's an
1: ultimate victory in football. Yeah. And, and then there's another anything. season. <laughs> that, yeah, it was terrifying. And hearing him talk about like it just didn't it just didn't me it just didn't feel like anything. And he's sitting there and it's like, you know, go to your beautiful home, but like your beautiful home's kind of empty cuz you're barely there. Uh, you know, you're you got a marriage, uh but you know, your wife's sitting there being like, I'm not sure that your job is making you happy. And that's kind of tough for me as a partner. Mm-hmm. It just sounded awful. It just sounded like a nightmarish place to be, you know, that young having achieved the highest thing in your sport. And you're sitting there being like, I don't know if i like this. And it wasn't the first time in that same interview, we talked about having a blow up with, uh, it might've been the floor actually, but like at one of their previous coaching stops where, uh, two of his coaches came in, they were at odds and they came to to him to sort of like, you need to, you know, basically you need to adjudicate about something that's happening in the locker room. And apparently he blew up at them and he was like, fuck this. Don't come to me with this stuff. You know what? I, you want my job? Cause I hate it. I hate this job. I would rather you guys take this job and one of you can be the coach and like work out these decisions. Cause you're my friends and I do not want to be here like, dealing with this shit and, like, making choices between, between the two of you. And it was, like, it was not for effect. Like, both his friends were, like, taken aback by, like, it genuinely seemed like a workplace friction thing had just hit him between the eyes and he damn near quit on the spot. Just because it was, like, parts of this job just suck. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, it's, and the, and the Rams kind of felt like a team that had gone through a dark night of the soul of, like, the utter meaninglessness. Of a Super Bowl win you know, you win there's another there's there is that other season here we
0: go, yeah, it doesn't end. prove you it just, again you, you, yeah, you just prove it again, so yeah, they're an interesting team. I think they they're they're, they're gonna be much better they're going to be better than they were last season. I just don't know how much better, and like it's it's not good when you have um you know uh uh the the owner of the Rams or the pres I don't know, but someone came out and was like, we did not ask Matthew Stafford to restructure his con- contract to make like our books a little bit better. And then he came out like the next day and was like, yes, you did. No, you definitely did. You 100% asked me if we could restructure my content. It's like, that's not a place you want to be. They probably don't even want Stafford anymore. They need to bottom out. Like they like Stafford's not taking them anywhere. He came in, did what he was supposed to, which was to play hero ball, for a couple of years, such a weird sport. This is such a weird sport.
1: The more you talk about it, the weirder it gets. Right. Right. It's like Stafford comes out and it's a mercenary you hire for one year to like the windows open. We hit it and now we're going to be
0: irrelevant. Now we need to suck. Yeah. Go away. Like you're not you're actually not helping us anymore. Um, you did the thing that didn't fulfill anybody here. But also yeah. now we need you to go.
1: away. <laughs> it's the weird thing. Like this is I think it's part of the nightmare of being a, a, a football fan. Maybe it's like this in, in other sports, but it's like your team either has the window and it's stressful because it's like this doesn't come along very, very long. You got to you need to hit the window or your team's like, well, time to blow it up. It's like one of two things. And then you have the thing of like the team. There are some teams in that middle of like, do we commit and go all in or do we sell? But it's a weird sport for this exact reason where it's like you will have the team put together. And it's like we're going to do the heist. We're going to get the Super Bowl. And then immediately it's like remember all those guys who were part of the <laughs> band of brothers who like brought us the Super Bowl. We're firing all of them. We hate each other now.
0: Uh, so that is that is the NFL. Um, I actually other than the fact that we've gone long and do not have time to go through the entire the very schedule. I think it would be better for us anyway to just predict week one. And then let's come in. We'll regroup after that week one and we'll assess right. where we think. Cause I don't think we know enough about the Bears right now. We could, I think we predicted this schedule in the offseason. We did one, like one around like draft time. I felt I better think, about the Bears back then. So yes. I think it'd be
1: very funny. You know, people hold it to us. I, Cause I, I would probably come in lower. I think we talked ourselves into yet another like 10
0: and seven season. I think we did. I think we did. And so I, I, I think we should predict week one and then yeah. we'll see how that game goes. I think it's going to tell us a lot about the Bears. As a team, and then we'll have a little more sober assessment of uh, the um, the season as a whole. But that week one, it's Packers at Bears, which means they'll be home at Soldier Field. That's and not you- the first game though. It doesn't open on a Thursday. Oh, I was sorry. I was saying the Bears. Oh, okay. Um, just the Bears. I thought you said the whole NFL. Oh, because we did do the wins and lo- Like, uh uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't pull that up here. We'll do a uh,
1: pick'em league. we we'll, are we'll gonna do the pick'em supplement. league.
0: Yes, we'll, we'll we'll figure something else out. I didn't I didn't I f- I completely forgot we did that stuff week to week, and then I was thinking we're two weeks so, out. But you so just want to say gut check the bears. Gut Bear check Packers on the bears. Right like this is just the bears week one, and then um I am gonna set up the pick'em league. I will tweet that out so people can can do that with us. And Rob and I either will record something or we will. Just separately make picks, yeah. and so that we can talk talk through those. But Bears Week One ass Soldier Field against the Packers. What do you think? All right, I need to actually think because
1: like my emotion immediately like distorts it. I'm like, I think we're gonna lose. Yeah, that's what I wanted and to do I, say too. Do I think we're gonna? Do I really think that? No, actually, I don't think I do. I think the Bears are going to win. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this team. You know what I mean? It's this weird thing of like I think on balance, the Bears are probably going to win. Mm-hmm. I feel like this team isn't going to be very good. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll feel that early. Mm-hmm. And that would manifest probably in a, in a disappointing Packers loss. But actually, I'm not even sure that's true because I don't think the Packers are likely to be very good. And so I think the Bears are probably going to win. I and mean, the Bears are further along. I think the... So you think it's the- going to be like
0: a dispiriting win? Like, we won, but I don't feel good about it at the end.
1: Yeah, like, I think you're going to, like, we will want the Bears just blow the doors off the Packers. Mm-hmm. Like, Rodgers isn't there. They've got a... 35-10. 30, just like the game's over yeah. when the fourth quarter starts. And I think the odds are good that it's going to be low scoring. And that's going to be that's gonna be the killer. It'll be a dispiriting, like, kind of boring,
0: low scoring game. These are two teams to- with really good running games. Um, yep. and, and we don't have a good defensive line. So they are going to run down our yeah. throats. Um, I just don't...
1: I think the Bears are probably going to win, but it will not be the sort of thing where you feel any better about
0: the season. Fuck. Okay. Well, we'll revisit the entire Bears schedule. Um, when we uh, uh, record this next one, that will happen. We didn't after. get a chance to talk about the Cubs. I know. Well, here's the thing. If we do the Cubs next time, um,
1: well, we'll know a lot more
0: about we'll what's We'll know a lot more about, about the, the Cubs. Cubs. It's, I will, the short version is they've been extremely fun to watch. They're a year ahead of where I expected them to be. Yes. And, um, Like they're just a good team like they're just and they're they're playing look they're doing what you want a team to do especially when they are perennial disappointments they are playing meaningful games down the stretch and if I'm disappointed that they miss the wild card or don't take the division from the Brewers yeah it'll be a bummer but it's been really exciting to get to the bummer like it hurts because there was hope and like I'd rather feel that way Patrick you're never gonna get rid of Ross. No, I think this I don't team th- don't quit on him. I don't think he's a very good. I don't think he's a very good manager. Uh, no,
1: but the, but he, people love him. People respond to him. They and do. once again, this team res- like, I don't know. It also seems like here's the weird thing. This is the last thing I'll say. Mm-hmm. The weird thing about baseball is so much of because baseball is the ultimate water cooler sport. You spend half the half of each game just hanging out with your buddies in the dugout shooting the shit. Guys get really bummed when they're when like it's time to sell and everyone gets traded. And it really does seem like the narrative of this Cubs team is they all knew that if they did not like shape up, everyone was like a ton of people were going to be handed their walking papers and traded elsewhere. And it sounds like they really didn't want to break up the band. And so like, yes, there's some talent that was further along and he's better than people thought it was. But like, all the players talking about their rally, a big part of it was we didn't want to be like selling the team at the trade deadline. And we all knew that if we didn't start winning, they were going
0: to do that to us. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's been a really fun team to root for uh, this year, which is not always the case with um, the Chicago Cubs. Um We'll do questions next time. Uh, you can send them into questions at remapradio.com. I'll, I'm keeping track of them. I, I pulled a, a couple for this, but we're, we're running a little long after after going through the division. But um, we'll be back, I guess, in like two-ish, two-ish weeks. There's some external factors. I don't know. We'll be back after at least like week one. Uh, we'll recap um, the beginning of the, the NFL season. Some of that depends just on, on Rob's schedule and how some, some other things kind of play out. But... In the meantime, you can follow Remap on Twitter, at RemapRadio. Also, we're on Blue Sky. We're on Mastodon. And we're on Threads now. We're on all of them. Um, On Twitch, at twitch.tv slash RemapRadio. And on YouTube, at youtube.com slash at This episode is presented ad-free. If you're you're subscribed, at least the $5 per month over at RemapRadio.com. Remap is wholly owned by us and is funded by you. We don't work for a big corporation anymore. Got paid pay for insurance, podcast hosting. So, you know, feel free to sign up and support us. And look, we're on the eve of being extremely sad about this. Chicago. Do you want to hear Rob and Patrick be sad? And probably the next time they record this, a couple of beers in. Like, well, then sign up over at RemapRadio.com. Uh, um, yeah, we're recording this one in like the bright light of day. Mm-hmm. It's early. Mm-hmm. Next
1: one of these, it's going to be nighttime. Yeah. And We're there are two moods. There, there's a
0: couple different moods we could be in, and we'll 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 see which one we like. There there might be a like Rob, um, you're going to be unavailable when this game happens, but we will have to find some way to to. I'll have the internet. We'll have we will find a way to like time capsule immediate responses to yeah. what occurs during during that game, and then funnel that into a more proper podcast down the line. So uh, until then, fuck capitalism and bear down.